This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au. Predict Australia's score with a crystal ball. And it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals. All thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNC's apply. Find David off hot water at 110 mil for just $34.99. Baz and Izzy, we might be at the beach, but the show goes on. It's the summer breakfast on SCNZ. Tastes like strawberries on a summer evening, and it sounds just like a song. I want more berries and that summer feeling. It's so wonderful and warm. Breathe me in, breathe me out. I don't know if I could ever go down. I'm just thinking out loud. I don't know if I could ever go down. Watermelon sugar high. Watermelon sugar high. Watermelon sugar high. Watermelon sugar high. This is SENZ Summer Breakfast. Ricardo Ball, Mitch McLeodigan with you through till 10 o'clock in an hour earlier. And tell you what, getting out of the scratch when the alarm went off at 20 past four this morning was a bit harder than it was going off at uh, five o'clock, Mitch, like the rest of the week. Most certainly. And then um, we've played one of your favourite artists of all time. Who was um, that? To lead us in. Harry Styles again. Oh, okay. No. It, it was right. watermelon, Harry Water- Styles. Yeah. <laughs> watermelon sugar high. I, like that. I don't think I've ever heard it before. I, I, Did you I like that one a little bit better than the option than yesterday? The, the rubbish that Joe was playing yesterday. Yeah, he got, got home last night and um, and the wife actually told me, said, oh, I was, uh, heard, heard that great Harry Styles song. <laughs> she was like, oh, this is awesome. They're playing some good music. And then you started spraying and she's like, oh. And then she was like, oh, yeah, he's, he's closer to your age, Mitch, so I understand it. So. Yeah, that song, I mean, that song yesterday, I don't know what that song yesterday was called, but... I mean, this has got a little bit of something going on, but that song yesterday was was like the worst Coldplay song ever done by a bad cover artist. It was like terrible. So Nickelback uh, covering Coldplay, is it? Well, see, I mean, to be honest, I'd rather listen to Nickelback than Coldplay, to be fair. But uh, And Harry Styles, obviously. Yeah, and Harry Styles. Actually, I did see the other day that uh, Coldplay have announced they're going to stop making new music in 2025. Oh, really? Yeah, bring that on. Hey, I've got a... Um... Yeah, they said that was bad news for their fans, but... Uh, <laughs> Good news for everyone else, yeah. <laughs> you know, the lead singer of Coldplay. Yeah, Chris Martin. Chris he's, Martin. He's reasonably handy with a new Yeah, ball. reasonably handy. He um he actually sang mm. um, at my uh, boss at Mumbai's Akash Ambani's um, mm. little stag to. Oh, he really? Had a, had a small number of people up to um, Saints. St. Peters, uh, St. Petersburg or, or, or one of those places, St. Mm. Moritz or what, something like that. And yeah. 400 people in a private jet nice. uh, flew, up, flew up there for his, <laughs> for his uh, 
pre-Bash and um, and Chris Martin was the were was the on, artist. Were you, were you on no, the, I wasn't on the list. No, yeah, I wasn't on the list. No, no, I didn't oh. make the list. <laughs> didn't make the oh, list. Yeah. But yeah, and and the only thing he requested for his room mm. um, was a, a bike yeah. and twenty four hour access to the sauna. Oh, really? Yeah, what bizarre. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, obviously a massive uh, cycling fan. Or yeah, or just, just a fitness fan. Fitness fan. Yeah, it's yeah, not much health to him, fan. Eh? Yeah. Nah, nah. He's a pretty skinny guy. I actually, you know, the, it's funny you, you hear the stories about uh, different people or different bands and artists and that and what they've got on the on the list of things that they have to have backstage yeah. for them. Um, and, you know, it's, it's called The Rider, what's on your rider. And there was a famous story about Van Halen. And on Van Halen's rider, every show they played was one of the things in the list was uh, to be in the dressing room was a bowl of M and M's with all the brown ones taken out. And uh, you know, everybody thought, "Oh, that's ultimate rock star ridiculousness." Yeah. yeah. But then there was an interview with I'm trying to remember which member of the band it was with. It might have been Sammy Hagar, and mm. he said, "Oh, we put that in there to make sure that people were reading the contract." Oh. Well, we, you know, we don't really care about brand name and yeah, yeah. but we wanted to make sure to see yeah, if people okay. were actually reading the contract yeah. and what was in there and what we were requesting. Have you ever gone away to a hotel and um, put uh, put a, that special request box and them actually fill it in? No. Oh, we just did it for a gag one time. Yeah. We were going to Aussie, just saw a Magnum PI uh, <laughs> <laughs> rock into our room, a picture of Magnum PI by our bedside. <laughs> Rock, rock into the hotel in Brisbane yeah. and bang on, straight there. Straight there. Magnum PI. Yeah, sitting next to my bedside. Yeah, absolutely outstanding. You'd grow, you'd grow a pretty decent uh, Thomas Selleck uh, slug, wouldn't you? Yeah, steady way. And yeah. it's the one thing I do get away with in my household. The, yeah. the missus seems to like the moustache. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My Mine's the same, actually. I, every now and then I go, I might shave. And she's like, no, no, you look better with a beard. Yeah. I'm like, all right. Okay. Yeah, so it's, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. What's what's that about? You reckon? Oh, it covers more of our faces. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> our, 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 our chins look more in shape. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. it's funny. My daughter, who uh, I think when she was about four, three or four, um, she'd said to me, you know, basically she was like, "What's this stuff? You know, can you shave?" Basically, was the the, the long and short of it. So I did one day, and then I went and picked her up from daycare, and of course, and she'd never seen me without. A beard, and uh, I kind of. But I, when I got there, I was like, "Oh God, maybe I should have done this at home with her rather than just come at the end of the day <laughs> yeah. and pick her up looking different, thinking she might freak out." But she just stopped and looked at me for about two seconds, and then pointed at me and laughed. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, in this Harry Styles generation, yeah. mate, if you had a video that, yeah. you would have gone viral, mate. I would be an internet sensation. Would have been massive. It would have been huge all over that, yeah. all over TikTok. All Harry Styles fannies, groupies. What, oh. what are Harry Styles? Oh, no. <laughs> Joel, no. What, Joe, what Joe's are his, a big what uh, is fan, fan. fans called, mate? I think Stylies. 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 Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Fair, Freaky fair. Stylies. Yeah, yeah. Nice. I love him. I love. If, if anyone's got a ticket, I was joking. Say I don't have a ticket. If anyone's got a ticket, I'd love to go. Is he actually coming here? He is. Yeah. Oh. Right there, you go. Ricardo will go with you. Actually, sorry, they're called Stylers apparently. Stylers, but but yeah, I, I call Stylies. But Stylers. Yeah. Joe just putting his put own a little bit of pizzazz, bit yeah, of pizzazz on it. The, uh, exclusive group. Yeah, Joe's in the exclusive. Oh, is that like the, the VIP group? group? The VIP. It is. Yeah, yeah. 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 The old Facebook group run by uh, <laughs> Russian trolls, is it? <laughs> indeed, indeed. Oh, it's a, it's a bit. St- of- Better talk some sport, eh? Yeah, we should, I was going to say, let's get the start of the morning. We should talk some sport. And uh, uh, a couple of things that we should talk about are Dame Lisa Carrington and Dame Sophie Pascoe. How good. Oh, how good. You I know? mean, both of them 
have been absolutely superb, not just in the last year with the, the latest Olympics, but their careers have just been excellence upon excellence upon excellence. Oh, it's been phenomenal, really. And, um, you know, since Dame Val- Valerie, you know, the only two people still playing or still still performing, applying their trade have, yeah, have been Dame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, is, which is awesome. I mean, what, Sophie's, Sophie's 28? Something like and that. 19 medals at the Olympics, and Lisa Carrington's, yeah, like just in her 30s, um, yeah, and like five gold medals and one bronze. You know, it's just pretty it, sensational, really, isn't it? Yeah, it's such a long period of time, both of them as well. Yeah, um, just consistently keep on coming back, and just that drive to keep on getting better. Even rumours Lisa's going around again, which I just find. Yeah, Paris apparently yeah. she's going to go around, which is what th- two years away now. Yeah, oh, so. Mate, awesome. It'll be yeah. great. Oh, yeah. just Sophie goes there. Oh, yeah, no. So if they hard. both end up there as well, that'd be pretty cool, having two dames. Exactly. Dames over there competing <laughs> at the Paris Olympics. That'd be <laughs> legendary, How's actually. How's that go? Yeah. How's that go? So well done and congratulations to them. Uh, a few other sports people or people involved in sport too, just to give them a, a deserved uh, shout-out. Um, Dr. Michelle Hawke for her services to gymnastics, has been made a champion of the New Zealand Merit of Order and uh, a member of the New Zealand Merit of Order as well as uh, Gay Bryan for her, uh, I think she's out in Pakarangaway actually, out your way, Mitch, uh, for services to sport and recreation. So uh, there's a few others as well, mate. So, yeah, the ladies uh, representing, getting it done. Oh, what a great time of the year as well. Yeah. And I know most of the time their families don't find out until until the award's been announced. So what a great day to share. I had the skinny that they were getting it. And but I got told that we couldn't say anything because their families and their coaches didn't know. Oh well, isn't that great though? Yeah. Like it's cool, like because then you can go out for breakfast or, you know, give them a call early in the morning and, yeah. and yeah. see it. And it's just a bit different fizz levels, eh? Oh yeah, it'd be a total fizz. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Like you, you'd you know, for someone like um, Lisa or, or Sophie, it's almost like the fizz is there for the people that got you there rather than for you in a way. Which is awesome. You which know, is awesome. Which, is, yeah. which I think you I think you'll find most of those top athletes, you know, that's what brings them joy towards the end of their career. You know, there's the fizz for yourself early doors, but um yeah, as you go on, if you get a, an award like that to yeah. be damned yeah, and see your family, just be super proud. Totally. Um, I mean it's it's a bit it's big for but big for Lisa, because I think also, you know, we, we, we're we probably going to talk the Hellbergs today, given it is the last day of 2021. I mean, how many people are glad to see the back of this year? Uh, <laughs> but, I mean, for Lisa Carrington, it's been a fantastic year. I mean, I think she's become our greatest Olympian ever, hasn't she, after after the latest, uh, after the Olympics this year, just the way she performed in Tokyo, um, the, the medal haul she's got. I think she's got to be up there. Uh, and so, I, I mean, I would say... You know, we'll get into this a bit later. I mean, mm. but not only is she a dame now, but she's probably going to win the uh, Supreme Helberg Award as well. Not just the female athlete, but the overall award. I think I don't know that there's anyone that can touch her. Yeah, I think you're you're probably right. Yeah, I think I think she's she's been outstanding. And and I look, I don't know too much about the Helberg Awards. I don't know how much longevity um, comes into play, or if it's just purely done on on that year. But even just her performances this year at Tokyo um, definitely warrants her taking that award ahead of everyone else in the running but geez there's some good names in the running for that as well isn't there it's uh, it's such a great field Um, just shows that geez we're always fighting above our weight aren't we we're always just pumping out quality sportsmen and sportswomen um, around the world so you know, particularly in this year as well, anyone who's gone gone abroad and still performed and been away from their family the whole time and had to deal with MIQ coming back and the disruption to training and and the mental toll it's taken, um, you know, they should probably get double weighting this year. Yeah, I think Instead so. Instead of an asterisk next to their name, they get a nice big gold star. <laughs> well, you, you might you might be onto something. Actually, somebody that knows a lot more about this than us um, 
which doesn't probably take a lot to be fair, Mitch, but uh, <laughs> uh, is, is an award-winning journalist in her own right. She's the uh, 2021 Voyager Media Award Sports Journalist of the Year. She's the editor of Locker Room as well, dedicated to women's sports, Susan McFadden. She's going to come on uh, just after 7 o'clock and uh, talk about uh, Lisa Carrington, Sophie Pascoe, these awards, what they mean, and uh, mm. she's also a Hellberg judge, so we can maybe get a little bit get of the a inside take. all. Yeah, we're just, you know, you asked... Does it does it, is it just the last year, or do yeah. you have to take in what they've done in their career? We can yeah. ask those questions, and, yeah. and she can give us you know sort of the parameters of, of what it takes to yeah, to great. win a Hellberg. Yeah, so, I'm exciting. Learn a little bit more about it for sure. Yeah, totally. So uh, we we've got that coming up after seven o'clock. Uh, also uh, on the show today, he says looking through the run sheet for the very first time this morning. Um, <laughs> last show of the last show of the year, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is last show of the year, and I mean, uh, we've got a Waikato stud uh, chat with John Barry, who's one of the uh, uh, trainers, uh, who's got uh, a few running today. So we'll do that and see if we can get him to tip out a few winners for us as well. Also, uh, big news yesterday, mate. Former teammate of yours. Hmm. Uh, I'm just going to say it because I think it's going to happen at some point. We'll just get used to it. Sue Ross Taylor uh, has uh, has announced that at the end of this uh, domestic summer, uh, well, this, this summer here, uh, he is going to retire from the Black Caps. So he's going to play the Tests against Bangladesh, the ODIs against the Dutch and the Aussies, and then he's done. Hasn't said he's going to retire from all cricket. Just, no. just from the Black Caps, which is interesting. Uh, but Laura McGoldrick, who uh, is obviously goes back a long time with Ross, uh, they've been friends for, for for a long time, and of course him and Guppy are pretty tight, aren't they? Yeah. So and um, Leanne's, uh, Leanne, Laura's mum, um, has managed Ross for his whole career. So, yeah, so there you yeah. go. So uh, Laura McGoldrick's going to come on, and uh, we're going to talk about that. You're going to have your say too on, on Roscoe. We, we usually have Smithy sermon. We're going to have Mitch's sermon uh, a little bit later on today about, about Roscoe. We're uh, going to talk to Bruce Duncan as well about fishing. He's going to give us some fishing tips for the new year. Uh, talk about, you know, there's been all these, um, it's very unusual for the uh, for Coast Guard and things to talk about great white sightings, but there's been a lot of great white sightings between Whakatane and Waihi uh, in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, right. And more than usual. Now, we know that they're always out there. Yeah. But the fact that you're seeing more of them, what does that mean? So I might ask Bruce about that too, and, and whether or not he notices anything when it comes to chucking your line in the water. If they notice anything in terms of the behaviour of the fish and things as well, with uh, so many big predators um, out and about um, there, so uh, yeah, no, we've got all that coming up. But I think uh, we're going to uh, talk uh, to uh, one of the boys out at ND as well. Big game yesterday at uh, Pukakura Park. Yeah, we're going to talk to Matthew Fisher. Um, so young, young right arm, quick. Um, you know, returned good figures yesterday. Um, he's he's one of the exciting pros- prospects coming through with the ball. Um, bowls fast. Bowls real fast. Is he is he locky fast? Milney fast? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I yeah, he's, he'll get up there. Yeah, yeah definitely. He's, he's one. He's mid one forties. Um, yeah, I reckon he could push a little bit more. He's a young kid. Um, just needs to grow into his body a little bit more. Um, get some confidence, uh, and I think he'll fly. Yeah, good, uh, good win yesterday for ND, wasn't it? In wasn't the, it? In the yeah. Super Smash, led by Jeet Raval, and yeah. How good was his innings? Oh, mate, unbelievable! Eh? He's uh, he's he's playing nicely. Um, you know, for someone who's who's hardly ever played any T Twenty cricket his whole career, he's been in and out, in and out. Um, he had a nice season for Auckland about three, four years ago, um, and then straight away just got dropped back out of the squad um, with other guys coming through. But um, he's really taking to that captaincy and his decision making in the field um, yesterday. His use of his bowlers at the right times, I thought, was superb. Yeah, he's done, done really. I mean, he's always had that. I guess a bit of a tag of being a more of a four-day player, right? And that's how people tend to see him. He tends to be more of a long-form player. 
Yeah, I, I think he, he definitely has. Um, and I think when he was trying to play T20 cricket um, previously to this year, um, he was always trying to hit the ball too hard, um, always trying to slog, um, where he spoke in an interview earlier this this season, um, the Super Smash, um, about playing good shots, seeing that Virat Kohli, Barbara Azam, um, guys like that can play, like, and Kane Williamson can just play good good cricket shots and go at a high strike rate. Yeah. So he's just playing good cricket shots now. He's just hitting the contact when he's trying to hit a six. Contact's just a touch earlier. Um, just keeping it super simple. Yeah, and that's why, I mean, I noticed that from the commentators yesterday. I think it was Jacob Oram and, and Grant Elliott were talking about that. They're like, you know, this isn't him going out there and, you know, cow-cornering everything. He's actually playing proper cricket shots, but his shot selection and his timing has just improved. Oh, it has. Yeah, yeah. And it's, that's just that's just him probably watching and they're saying, hey, look, I've got the captaincy for ND. Um, so what have I got to do to be able to warrant my spot on this side? And it's obviously gone and done his research um, about how he, he as a player can still contribute. Um, and then obviously, like I said, he's looked at some of the greats of the game and greats of the T20 game. It was also great test cricketers. Um, he's, he's adopted their playbook. Yeah, he's doing uh, doing a great job, and uh, Indy uh, looking uh, pretty dangerous at the moment in that uh, Dream Eleven Super Smash. It's uh, twenty two past six here on SENZ. This is your summer breakfast. Mitch McLennigan, Ricardo Paul with you, and uh, we will be back after this. This is SENZ, your summer breakfast, 6.26. Ricardo Ball, Mitch McLennigan with you through till uh, 10 o'clock tonight. Uh, there's a text that came through, Mitch, uh, yesterday, actually, late yesterday afternoon. I don't know if it ever got picked up, but it was. I, I thought it was a, an interesting question. Uh, which bowling performance was better, Patels in India or Bowlins at the MCG? That's from Ashton in Timaru. Um, I mean, Bowling, I guess, was on debut at the G, big occasion. Mm-hmm. But he didn't take 10 for in foreign conditions, did he? He didn't take 10 for in a repeat of the World Test Championship <laughs> in India's home conditions yeah. against some of the best batsmen in the world. Um, yeah, like you say, in foreign conditions. Uh, Boland, you can't take away from what he did. Um, but at the G, his home conditions, his home crowd uh, against uh, a very, very poor and low on confidence English batting lineup. Um, they look like they, they, oh, they just wanted to go to, go to the pub. They can't wait for this tour to be <laughs> no, over, yeah, can they? So, yeah, definitely, definitely ages. I think that's phenomenal. Yeah. You know, it's only happened three times in history, so... You know, he's you, a proper history maker. A hundred percent. Yeah, and we'll, and is running out for the stags leading into the New Year's Test match. Yeah, yeah. I know. I was just like, what's going on here? What's going on here? Mind you, he didn't. He got a bit of tap yesterday at Pukekura Park, didn't he? Yeah, he must be pretty flat. Yeah, he must be pretty flat. Um, you know, you go from that to to playing at Puky Park, albeit yeah. a, a great spot. Um, <laughs> go from team for and then know that there's a test build up coming, um, and you're not with the fellas, no, not, uh, not even in the squad, not even in the 13. Would um, you have had him running drinks or doing something, or definitely part of the situation? Definitely, I would have had him. I would have. I would have said to New Zealand cricket, I think the right thing to do is to maybe even carrying carrying another, carrying a 14th, just out of respect. Yeah, I think when someone performs like that, you you can easily. Um, you can take them with you and then just go on the day. Oh, look, hey, it looks looks standard New Zealand cricket wicket. Uh, we're going to go with our four quicks. It's very unlikely that we're going to need a spinner. Um, so we go with Ravindra, who, who's going to be able to bowl a few extra overs. Uh, I think just showing a little bit more respect in that situation um, rather than the hard line of, oh, look, we just picked different teams in different conditions. Yeah, I think he, he deserves a little bit more respect after that. But that's my personal opinion. Yeah, well, no, so, I, I think a lot of people would have liked to have seen him, you know, sort of at Bay Oval, 
you know, maybe not lead the team out, but be part of the team. Well, that wouldn't have been a great reception. Yeah. Like, you know, him walking the drinks around around the, around the boundary. Yeah. yeah. He would have been there for the five days. He would have had great interaction with the crowd. Um, and I know that you're getting it at, at, the, uh, at the Super Smash with them going around, but it's not a test crowd. Um, you know, I think it would have been even even more special if they had have had him part of that squad. And at that first test, they'd actually honoured him with with some kind of award leading into that, even though he wasn't going to play. You know, that's that's a once in a lifetime achievement. Um, I just feel like it's just been underplayed since it's been come back, and they've missed a really good PR opportunity and, and an opportunity for Test cricket fans to see in the new year, um, praising AJs and, and getting to see the great man in person. Yeah, and I, I think I mean we mentioned Helbergs before. He missed out on this round of Helbergs by three days because the cutoff is the first of December or the thirtieth of November. Oh, it's a shoe in to win it next year. Yeah, oh, he's got to be surely. Has, eh? to, be. has, has to, be. to be. Has to be. Has to be. Best performance by male athlete. Yeah, yeah, hands down. Lock hands it in now. Yeah, oh, we can ask that question, can't yeah, we? We can. Eh? We will. <laughs> we will. We will definitely ask that question. Yeah. Uh, we might get quite a political answer, given that judges probably can't say too much. True. But well. I would. But I mean, we can. We can, but ask it. Sure, Susan will, will be happy to, um, you know, give us a few hints and, and a giggle or a uh, a phone laugh, a smile, or <laughs> no. Or we'll have to get her up on on Facetime or something like that, yeah. just so we can see the hints and. See and, what's going and on. pass that on. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The, the, the facial tics. The, uh, <laughs> to see what she gives away. Uh, this is the SENZ Summer Breakfast. Mitch McLennan and Ricardo Ball with you. Uh, time for news from Kubota. Together we are shaping and building New Zealand. Here's Karen. It's 27 away from 7 here on SENZ. This is your summer breakfast. Mitch McLennigan, Ricardo Ball with you through till 10 o'clock this morning. And uh, if you're looking, uh, we're going to be talking a bit of racing a little later on, but if you're you're looking at Ellerslie tomorrow, here's uh, one to look at for putting uh, in your planning uh, for your your card. Uh, And that is... A uh, Amir, I think we're going to probably see a lot more of uh, Levante is her name. She's up for the uh, for a Group One challenge now. She's the daughter of Prasia, and uh, obviously is a multiple black type winner. Uh, top honours at the Sistema Railway, uh, which is I think race seven on the card tomorrow is definitely going to uh, boost her future brood mare value. She's hasn't raced a lot. She's been pretty lightly raced, but has had good prep. Um, she had a victory at the Listed Counties Bowl at Pukekohe Park um, just uh, not long ago. And, uh, of course, uh, Ken Kelso and his wife Bev, who train her, uh, they've said that you know she had a last trial at Rotorua, an exhibition gallop at Matamata last Thursday, and always in the plan to do that. They're just uh, easing her in. Uh, Ryan Elliott's riding. 
Um, so definitely one to look at. He's um, ridden over the last, uh, for her first five appear- appearances, I should say. That's a four wins on the bounce she had there. That uh, sequence only broken at Trentham where she missed the jump uh, and then stormed home for second in the Group 2 Wellington Guineas over 1,600. So yeah, definitely one to watch. Uh, tomorrow at Ellerslie. Thoroughbred owners, share the thrill of ownership with your mates. Enter at loveracing.nz slash share the thrill for your chance to win a 10% share in a racehorse T's and C's apply. Um, Mitch, you, you big on Ellerslie? Have you done New Year's Ellerslie or Boxing Day Ellerslie in the past? Yeah, great day. Yeah, I was there for the after party more than, yeah. than the horse racing. But, um, you know, have a couple of punts, mate. Yeah, have a dab. Have a dab. Have a dab. I've only ever done it once, and I did it when uh, it was a few years ago. Now this is probably probably best part of twenty years ago. It was when you remember Michael Walker, yeah. the jockey, was when he was coming through. He was, I think, it might have been his last year as an apprentice, uh, and he was he was still pretty new on the scene. And I went to Ellerslie with a group of mates, and um, I had never been before, obviously, and they, they'd been there for. I, I got there for about race six. We got there a bit late, and yeah, very, um, very late, very late. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and they were they were well into it. Picnic blankets out, you mm. know, bubbles going, etc. And I gave myself a bit of coin to to bet with. Um, and I got to just out from the last race of the day, and I'd only like bet about ten bucks, and you know the rest of it had gone on the bar basically. Yeah. And as you do, uh, as you do. And I and so I had a bit left over that I, I'd put aside to, to, to have a punt on. And Michael Walker was, I can't remember the name of the horse now, but it was riding like the third favourite. Yeah, let's just call it Doremus. Yeah, let's do that. And, uh, and at the uh, at the turn coming into the home straight, out wide, back of the field, probably about two-thirds of the way back, stormed at home and beat Lance O'Sullivan, who was still riding at the time, uh, by a nose. Oh. And I think I had about... I think I had 50 on for the win, 40 on for the place or something like that. Oh, what a delight. And, yeah, oh, yeah, big win, big win. And then uh, you were in Ellerslie after that. Uh, it's nice how they open up, the open everything up, don't they? Yeah. yeah, after it used to be done really, really well. Um, we had our Christmas party there for work um, last year, just on a, a low-key day, um, but it was awesome. They they put on really good service, so yeah, it was a great day out. Yeah, good day out. And, of course, uh, now with the traffic light system that changed overnight – it means that uh, Ellerslie will be open, and so people can actually go along because obviously they, they couldn't really be there in force on Boxing Day. Yeah. They could only have what nine hundred on Boxing yeah, Day. Yeah, what are they expecting? About three, three to four thousand. I'd um, say so. Yeah. You know, I, mean, I guess if you're if you're in Auckland uh, listening, um, you know that's the place to be tomorrow, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, dust dust that hangover off and and trot on down. Now uh, you, you were in a bit a bit earlier this morning. We were all in a bit earlier this morning because it's a change of hours to six to ten. Uh, how are the questions looking for Quizzy Dag? Quizzy Dag, yep, yep, we're, we're looking strong. They're we're sharp. looking strong. Sharp yeah, they're questions. looking sharp. Okay, yep, I think I think we're going to go well today. Okay, all right. Well, there you go. If, if you want to have a crack at getting yourself a $50 bonus bet from the TAB, the Mitch Master, uh, Quizmaster Mitch. Master, Mitch, is that it? Yeah, mm-hmm. he, is, uh, he is ready to take your calls. Give us a call now, 0800 150 811, 0800 150 811, if you want to be in to win that $50 bonus bet voucher from the TAB. Uh, and uh, we'll do that next with uh, Quizzy Mitch here on the summer, uh, SEN Summer Breakfast. It's Quizzy Dag with Ashley and Martin. Regrow your hair. Search Ashley and Martin today. You know what time it is. It's Quizzy Dag. A quiz that keeps on giving like I skip a pass. 
Louis, Trudy, Kez, and Joe not wants to brag. But good luck to our quizzes, cause the Satan in the bag. Oh, 800-150-811, now give it a go. Yes, welcome in to the last Quizzy Dag of the Year, brought to you by Ashley and Martin. You heard Izzy, call 0800-150-811 for your chance to win a $50 bonus bet with the TAB. All right. It's a bit sad, isn't it, Ricardo? We've got the last last one of the year. Last one of the year, mate. Last, uh, mind you, how many people are quite happy to wave goodbye to the back of 2021? Too right. Absolutely, yeah. 100%. And our first, first quiz in orange. So we're going to go straight to the phones now. We've got Mark. Mark, how are you? Yeah, good mate, good. And you're in Christchurch, so plans. got some big New Year plans? Nah, nah, just spend it with the family, I think. And spend your fifty dollars bonus bet like I did last year. Oh, did you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'll be me this year as well, fella. That's yeah. for sure. Oh, mate, I did it last year. I think uh, my uh, it was just me and my partner and my daughter, and we did uh, a Disney marathon of Disney movies. And I was in bed by about ten thirty, and they were still going till about two in the morning. <laughs> is that you, Mark? Is it? You're on the Disney Disney trip. Yeah, that'll be me, mate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I understand. Well, let's see if we can get you that fifty dollar bonus bet, mate. So, in which city did Ross Taylor score his famous two hundred and ninety runs against Australia in two thousand and fifteen? Gosh, cricket. Um, sorry, much, but uh, it was in Australia. Oh, well, in Australia. Yeah. Ooh. Uh, 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 Sydney. Hard luck, Mark. Hard luck. We're going to have to move you on there, fella. Cheers, yeah, mate. mate. You have a good New Year's. You too. All right, we've got Tom from Christchurch on the line. G'day, Mitch. How's things? Yeah, bloody good, mate. Yourself? Yeah, we're going all right. Oh, awesome. Okay, in which city did Ross Taylor score his famous 290 runs against Australia in 2015? Oh, I'm just a guess. I'm going to go Perth. Beautiful. What a great guess. That's a fantastic oh, guess. What a great... That's the. It's actually um, no wonder he scored the runs over there. That's that, that's the Hamilton of Australia. That's <laughs> Bogan Central. Yeah, so. I, don't, I don't know that that's good for Perth. No. <laughs> well, they call them Cubbies, eh? Cubbies yeah. over in Perth. Oh, do they? Yeah, cashed oh. up Bogans. Oh, there we go. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, from the mines. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah good. All right, we'll move on to st- question number two. Who was the only black cap nominated for the ICC Test Cricketer of the Year? Test Cricketer, uh, Kane Williamson. Oh, yeah, you'd think so, wouldn't you? Unfortunately, it's not the right answer, Tom. Apologies. You have a good New Year's, mate. Cheers, mate. All good. Yep. Jordan, how are you? Surely you've got some uh, bigger New Year's plans than Ricardo and myself? He's going to be working. Oh, nice. (laughs) Well, I guess that's one way to spend your New Year's. But but quiet there, Geordie. You you got us on hands free, buddy. Ah uh, yeah yeah. Yeah, I could just get up. Just closer. come a little bit closer if You're you a can. You're faint, mate. Yeah. Hang on, I'll um. Well, I'll roll. I'll roll a question while it's going on. Yeah. I say, uh, who was the only yeah. black cap nominated for the ICC Test Cricketer of the Year? Um. Oh, that tall guy. I can't remember his name. The tall guy. Um, yeah, really tall guy. Um, Mitch isn't playing anymore. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> <Jake>. <laughs> uh, 
Oh, no, I can't, can't remember his name. Oh, oh, no. Unlucky, Jordan. Jordan. I'm sure I you would have breezed through the rest of the quiz as well. Have, have a good New Year, mate. Yeah. Now, uh, okay. if, if, if you want to get in, if you want to, uh, the quiz is still going. Give us a call. 0800 150 811. 0800 150 811 to be part of Quizzy Dag for, uh, with Ashley and Martin, that $50 TAB bonus bet. You can still uh, get in. We've, we've only had one, uh, one, one question answered correctly. I reckon... Uh, uh, you, you might have to sharpen your pencil a bit, Mitch. You, you, you're getting a bit too cerebral uh, this time in the morning. There's some of these questions maybe a bit tough. <laughs> well, I, th- I thought they were pretty standard, weren't they? Yeah. yeah I nice. mean, it's all we've kind of talked about all week is is cricket, and we yeah. did a big segment on the, the the four that got nominated. Yeah. Richard. Beautiful. Okay, we've got Richard on the line. Richard, how are you? Good mate. Beautiful. You got it down. You've got the answer. You've called because you got to answer this question. Who is the only black cap nominated for the ICC Test Cricketer of the Year? Is it Cole Jamison? That's the one. Beautiful. Nice, Richard. Which pick was Stephen Adams selected by the Oklahoma City Thunder in 2013 NBA draft? Oh, I'm not a big basketball. I'll go second pick. Oh, hard luck. Hard luck. Unlucky. Thanks, bud. Cheers, Richard. Go well, mate. Have a good New Year's. All right. I think that's us, is How it? There we go. I think I think we might have that's to. It, we might have to jackpot. We might have to jackpot to Monday. So for to start 2022 with Quizzy Dag and Ashley and Martin, we're going to have a hundred dollar TAB bonus bet to give away. Good, good way to start 2022, much. Yeah, great side. Unless we get some texts through saying that they suggest that we. Try and jackpot that a little bit, and, and we put it on our own bets. <laughs> no, take it ourselves. I'll answer take, the questions. Take I it ourselves, and we'll do a kitty for for the listeners. <laughs> yeah, if we win something, otherwise there's no prize on Monday. No, exactly, yeah. exactly. <laughs> we'll try and jackpot it. Oh, we'll, we'll try and jackpot it, mate. We'll, we'll see what we can do there. Hey, that's uh, if you have. Uh, if you're not happy with your hair loss, uh, make today your turning point. Search Ashley and Martin online. When we come back, hopefully we can track down uh, Trudy for Trudy's World. At Chemist Warehouse this Christmas, find David off hot water at 110 mil for just $34.99. Baz and Izzy, we might be at the beach, but the show goes on. It's the summer breakfast on SENZ. Yeah, it's SENZ. The summer breakfast with Mitch McLennigan and Ricardo Ball. Uh, we're with you through till 10 o'clock uh, today. And uh, coming up on the show, uh, well, we're going to get into, um, of course, Lisa Carrington, Sophie Pascoe uh, um, being made dames uh, with the New Year's honours list. We're going to be doing that shortly with Susan McFadden. Uh, also coming up, John Barry is going to join us to talk about uh, his runners. He's got at uh, Hastings today. I think he's got about six runners at Hastings today. So we're going to talk to him about that a little later on this hour. Uh, in the next hour, Laura McGoldrick's going to talk uh, about her longtime friend Ross Taylor and uh, his decision yesterday to announce his retirement. Mitch, did that take you by surprise, the timing of it at all? Uh, slightly. Um, I thought he was going to try and crack on um, a little bit longer. Yeah. Um, but I guess um, when you know, you know, I guess. Um, and he's probably probably might, might have just been feeling that they, they might have wanted to change into the guard potentially in the in the one day stuff and and at least with this decision he can go out on his own terms he can uh, do you think uh, that because he hasn't been involved in the black caps set up for t20 for a while but do you think you know he because he hasn't announced retirement from all credit do you think we will see him put his hand up and try and play big bash CPL IPL maybe the hundred that sort of thing yep 
Um, I think I think first and foremost, I think he'll end up going to England. Yeah. I, I think he'll he'll end up playing for Surrey. Um, that's the type of player that they look for. Um, he'll go play a season there, take the family with him. I'd imagine um, for a little p- a p- bit of time, um, make a little bit of cash at the end uh, for himself. Um, outside of that, um, I don't know how much other T Twenty stuff he'd play. Um, I think he'll probably just try park up somewhere. Um, so the family can have, have a good time, I reckon. Yeah, nice. All right, sounds like a plan. Uh, Ollie Sale, the Wellington Phoenix goalkeeper, who's uh, injured at the moment, he's got a hip flexor issue. He's going to join us after 9 o'clock, and uh, we are also going to talk to Matt Fisher from ND. So all of that to come on the show. Of course, this morning the big news was that we've got a couple of new dames in Lisa Carrington and Sophie Pascoe. That was announced this morning. Absolutely massive news for them, and as has been uh, pointed out uh, by Mitch uh, in the last hour. I think uh, they're only, what, the second and third uh, dames to be, I don't know what you call it, it's not knighted, is it? Damed? I'm not, uh, anointed dames? I don't know how that, how, how that works. Uh, but while they're still competing, while they're, they're still active in their careers, uh, talking uh, about this with us now uh, is an award winner in her own right, the 2021 Voyager Media Award Sports Journalist of the Year from the locker room, Susan McFadden. G'day, Susan. How are you doing? Oh, good. Thanks, Ricardo. Lovely to talk to you. And yes, I am still get to have that honour for this last day. <laughs> <laughs> this is my last day. Yeah, so thanks for inviting me on on my last day as uh, sports journalist of the year. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, I'm sure you're going to clean up next year as well. Just, oh, no, no. Are you going to go back that. to back? You're backing yourself? Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not a great punter. Okay. Unlike my son, I'm not a great punter. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he's not a great punter either. He, 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 he tell you about the wins. I bet. I bet you that much. He's a bit like me. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> well, Susan, I know the answer to that. Uh, what do you coin? Do you coin it damed um, or damed or anointed, appointed or? What's what, what's the word oh, for appointing a dame? I actually was thinking about that yesterday and thought I must Google that and forgot. I I say knighted. I can't see why not. Yeah, yeah. I think they still will get the you know the sword on the shoulder. I'm sure. Yeah, still still do all that stuff. I mean, how big a deal is it? Do you think uh, for both these athletes that they've been recognised like this while they're still competing? Because usually this doesn't happen until you know sort of ten fifteen years after you're done. Oh, exactly. And um, like Mitch um, recognised earlier, this is only, you know, the second and third time that a New Zealand sports person has been recognised while they're still an athlete. And uh, the last one was, of course, Dame Valerie Adams. Um, I, you know, I have been in two minds about this in the past. You know, I, it's kind of like when athletes write their uh, autobiographies when they're still competing. Um, you know, that the story isn't fully told yet. But in, in this case, these two women have been competing for a long time. I mean, Sophie Pascoe has been um, competing on the international stage since she was 13. She's now 28, mm-hmm. and she's New Zealand's youngest ever dame, by the way. Uh, and so they have achieved so much. They're our most successful Olympian and Paralympian, respectively. And they are undoubtedly two of the biggest role models in New Zealand sport for our young people at the moment. So by being, uh, I was going to say ordained, maybe that's, that's mm. a worse word, yeah. and, uh, anointed, but by 
accepting these um, honours, they um, they become even more um, of role models to our young people, I think. And, you know, they can do a lot more, I think, when they are dames, you know, in, as far as in the community goes. And um, this is where I think they, they now can make the biggest difference is in the community. Um, Lisa has, you know, coaches her young paddlers at home in um, Ahopi, and she also um, works with Canoe Racing New Zealand to help grow the sport. Um, Sophie, of course, is a huge um, advocate for equality and changing perceptions of people with disabilities. So this is the time to really grow, I think, and help. Um, help in the community. So I, I know that both of them intend to carry on competing. Lisa has committed to 2024 in Paris and Sophie at this stage has, uh, wants to race at the Commonwealth Games next year in Birmingham in just one event, the 100 metre freestyle, and then she'll rethink her career after that. But I think we've still got a lot to see out of both of these young women. Yeah, too right, Susan. Um, you touched on some really good points there in terms of the stuff they're doing outside of their sports, which I think is ma- uh, massively important, particularly in those amateur sports, to have such uh, strong leaders and role models in that sport. I-, I was interested to ask you a question about the Halbergs. How much of that external stuff comes comes into the reckoning when you're looking at sportswoman or, or sportsman or sports team um, of the year? Um, I know you probably can't say too much, but is it is it a whole picture or is it just purely based on performance? I think it is the whole picture, but I'm I'm not sure that it actually um, is made that readily known to the judges. I think what we uh, are you know provided with is the information about what they've achieved on the sporting field or on the water during that year. In this case, the last two years, but um, I don't think that we're told enough about what they do do off the off the field, and that's what you know. That's as you know, a writer at Locker Room. That's one of the main things that we look at when we're writing about athletes is what what else they're doing, what makes them different to other athletes, what makes them special, and so I'd like to think that that's what we consider when we go through and do our judging. But really, I think most of it is based on what they've done athletically. In terms of where Lisa Carrington sits uh, for you, Suzanne, I mean, for me, I, after she won those medals uh, earlier in the year at Tokyo, I was like, well, that's it. She's our greatest ever Olympian. Uh, and not just because of medal hall, but conduct and just the way she dominates her sport as well. Where, where does she sit in, in that for you? Yeah, definitely. I'm I'm with you on that, Ricardo. So I just find it really hard sometimes comparing apples with pears. Mm. And, you know, at different times, of course, look at Peter Snell and his achievements and what he did, you know, does, you know, at two Olympics compared to what Lisa has done at three. It's really difficult, eh? Mm. And... But when you look at, of course, her medal hall, she's she is definitely our most successful in that, in terms of that. But also at world championship level, I mean, she's won twenty three medals at either world championships or Olympics. That's massive, eh? And nobody has come near her, um, especially in the K one two hundred. So 
Yeah, and and I just love watching her compete, seeing her strength, her power, her determination, how still she keeps her head. (laughs) Putting that paddle through the water, you know, she's so disciplined. But when you speak to her, she's so humble and she's, She's a fantastic young woman. And look, if she carries on at this rate, there's no doubt that she will be, you know, one of the most successful New Zealand athletes we've ever seen, but definitely our most successful Olympian. Um, I, I just uh, wanted to go into, um, you know, kind of how, how the nominators uh, uh, nominate or the athletes get nominated or the coaches get nominated. Um, do they look at everything around the world? Because the, the name to me, um, obviously being a cricket fan, that's uh, not on that list and, and I can't imagine it's, I can't remember it appearing, you, you might be able to correct me, but um, Stephen Fleming, um, his record um, overseas as a coach um, is actually phenomenal. Um, just longevity and again this year he took Chennai to, to another championship, their fourth title. Um, he's been runner up five times as well. Um, I've never seen him on on that on that merit list. No, you're right. You're really right, Mitch. What happens is that each sporting organisation nominates their athletes or their coaches or teams. So it's up to the sports to put their uh, people forward. So uh, there is actually also an, a nominations panel which I've been on in the past, it's quite a new um, situation where if they notice that you know athletes or coaches aren't nominated and they think they should be, um, they have the power to, first of all, go back to the sport and go, hey, did you accidentally leave this person off or do you want to consider putting their name forward? Or they also have the power to put people forward as well if they think that they should be and and especially with um, sports that have very small um, national sporting organisations or some, you know, don't fit. And I guess Mm. in that case, Stephen probably doesn't fit with New Zealand cricket anymore. So that's where he probably fell through the cracks. But, um, yes, it's something that I think that you need to take up with the judges. Uh, And I realise you just have. So... (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's hope he wins it again next year, right? Exactly. Can you please do that again? Can you remind me again? Oh, you know, a bit earlier. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Not a problem. I'll, I'll make sure. I'll make sure that he's recognised. But yeah, there are some. I mean, another one was um, I noticed um, was Ruth Croft, who um, is an incredible ultra marathon athlete, and she was left left off the nominations for the women's um, women, sports woman of the year, and. You know, this does happen, and um, it's sad when it does because you know how much those athletes put into, you know, a year's worth of effort, and it's massive. And But, you know, in saying that, the Halbergs aren't the be-all and end-all, and recognition within their own sport is just as important, so... Well, it will make I sure. Hope, you know. Yeah, make sure you jump on that uh, Helberg Judges WhatsApp group and and flick, flick, <laughs> flick a message out once you're off the phone here. Hey, um, uh, just uh, something that's always you know up for debate and always a conversation piece is you know the weighting of the Olympics and how important they are. And basically, if it's an Olympic year, it's always going to be somebody that's won an Olympic medal is going to is going to get you know uh, is going to get an award. But also, I mean, you know, I look at. For example, the the sportsman of the year, uh, you know, and I think Paul Cole 
Uh, I go through that list. Oh, I think Paul Cole has had an absolutely. amazing year. Uh, but then I look at Hamish Bond and I have the Olympic weight in my head, but also that he's part of a team. So, I mean, as a judge, how do you, you know, because Hamish Bond didn't do that as a single athlete like Paul Cole has done, but he has done amazing things at the pinnacle. So, I mean, how do you sort of weigh that as a judge? Thank you for uh, recognising what a tough job this is. Uh, Absolutely. You know, how do you separate that? And you're so right. When you look at the Olympics, it just... Because they also happened quite, you know, not that long ago, they stick in your mind, don't they? And mm. we always assume that, yeah, Olympic athletes will, you know, win in that year. But, oh, exactly. And, you know, Paul Cole is right up there for me. And, but will his, you know, achievements in a sport like squash. So the other thing that, you know, people, the judges consider is, how many people in the world play squash uh, compared to, say, how many people in the world row? Um, which which I always think is... Um, I, I don't actually use that metric in my judging, um, but I know that, you know, that, that is taken into consideration for some people. And then you look at, you know, the, the three motorsport drivers who are in there, Scott Dixon, Shane Van Gisbergen, and Scott McLaughlin. How do you rate what they've done Say against um, our, our incredible sailors, um, Josh Jr. and Andy Maloney. And, you know they had a brilliant year as well, including winning the America's Cup. So ah, it's really hard, and that's why I'm not really looking forward to this part of the judges. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just I'll and, just throw a little spanner in the works there, Susan. Um, mm-hmm. Paul Cole, the story that we were hearing is that um, the Egyptians were, were actually trying to stop him from being able to perform. They were only letting him order yeah. tomato, a pasta and tomato sauce. <laughs> so he had to get over that hurdle as well. As soon as they found out that he was competing, he got a week leading yeah. in just with pasta and tomato sauce. So that's got to come into the reckoning as well. It does. Yes, I listened to his interview with you guys. And, um, you know, as a big friend of the show, I guess that makes me biased towards him because I know what a big friend of the show, of the breakfast show he is. But you know that's right. We've got to take into consideration all those external things that um, that contributed to their achievements, you know, and what they overcame to get there. And I think you know that's why, as a judge, you really have to look at the each athlete individually, each coach individually, each team. And really go back, go look back at the stories about, you know, what they went through this year in the la- or in the last two years as this happens to be. And um, consider why, you know, th- why their performance this year was so special. And it's, it's, it's a tough ask, but, um, you know, some of them in some of the uh, categories like Lisa Carrington and the sportswoman of the year. Some of them just stand out. So, yeah, but I think the men's and the teams are going to be the toughest this year. Yeah, it was interesting you mentioned the motorsport thing because. You know, there's two schools of thought on this, isn't there? I mean, one of them is that V8 Supercars is just a regional competition. It's not a global competition. Yet at the same time, if yeah. you want to race V8 Supercars, the pinnacle is V8 Supercars. So, I mean, it's a, it is it is a tough thing to sort of try, try and weigh there, isn't it? It is, especially when you don't understand motorsport. It's really 
If you need any I'm help, trying. just just give us a call. I'm no trying. problem. We just need I to have a little bit more motorsport on the show. Is that right? That's what we're. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes. Now for 2022, Susan McFadden is our motorsport correspondent. So that, there you go. And we'll we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll help bone you up that way, yeah, Susan. We'll put put it on yeah, you. you learn by doing. That's exactly the way that I do it. So, yeah, that'll be great. Thanks, yeah. Rick. Hey, no worries, mate. No worries. Hey, listen, Susan, thanks very much for coming on today. Uh, before we do let you go, though, what has been, you know, you live, eat and breathe sport. What has been your sporting highlight of 2021? Oh, that's so unfair. Um, <laughs> okay, so, you know, in my, in my job is, Edge of locker room, you know, I'm concentrating on women's sport, and so I'm a bit blinkered. Mm. So, you know, the answer will definitely be a, a women's sporting moment. Uh, but, you know, I have so many different memories. One of my favourite memories from this year was watching Dylan Schmidt win bronze medal in the trampoline mm. at the Olympics. And it was because of, you know, it's a moment in time, and I was sitting there with my husband and with Kieran. And we were watching it, and I was screaming at the television and crying. And, you know, that sticks with me. Um, but, of course, uh, watching um, Lisa Carrington win her three goals was outstanding. I was down at the, um, team, the New Zealand team headquarters on the Auckland waterfront when she won her, I think it was her third gold, and watching the look on her husband, well, sorry, I'm I'm being presumptuous here, her fiancé, Bucky's face, as she won, um, is priceless, and that sticks with me too. Um, But also, you know, the Black Fin 7s, look at me, I'm all Olympics. (laughs) Hey, Suzanne. Hey, Mum, it's Kieran here. Uh, I'll just come on from out the back. I just thought I'd jump in here, because obviously... Our lounge is down one side of the house and my room's down the other. Mm. I just thought I'd, I'd cut you off there and give you one, Suzanne. Uh, the loudest mm. scream and cry I heard from Suzanne was actually Emma Twig. Uh, that's what, what I'd say. So so the house, oh. I actually believe the house was shaking uh, <laughs> when, when Emma Twig cro- crossed that line. So I, I thought I'd just throw that one out to you, Suzanne. Yeah, that's a great story, isn't it? Oh, thank you. I am getting old and forgetful. But yes, it was. It was, I think, because knowing what Emma had been through you know, finishing fourth at the Olympics so many times and then to win and win so dominantly. You're right. Oh, my God, it's making me... <laughs> up oh, my God. Um, but, oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, Suzanne, thanks very much for coming on, mate. It's uh, it's always great to chat sport with you. You're so passionate. Uh, absolutely love it. Go well. Have a have a great New Year's Eve and uh, an even better Thank 2022, you. eh? Thank you. Happy New Year to all of you on the team. It's been fantastic um, to be part of it this year, so thank you. Thank you. Susan McFadden there from Locker Room. Uh, you can go check out uh, Locker Room. It's part of newsroom.co.nz. Uh, some fantastic in-depth sports journalism uh, and uh, something I think you should definitely bookmark in your button bar uh, because yeah, they do some great work there. It is 7.24 here on the summer uh, breakfast with Mitch McClinigan and Ricardo Ball. And uh, when we come back, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get Mitch's take on his highlight of 2021. It's the Summer Breakfast with Ricardo Ball, Mitch McLennigan, and uh, we're here through till 10 o'clock today on your New Year's Eve. All right, Mitch, putting you on the spot, mate. Uh, I just asked Suzanne McFadden in the in the last break her sporting highlight of 2021. What's your sporting highlight of 2021? I think mine's got to be uh, the 
the reuniting of uh, Gronk and uh, Tom Brady oh, to right. win for Tampa Bay, win the Super Bowl for Tampa Bay. Yeah. I thought that whole story was pretty special. Yeah. Yeah. I know it's the start of the year, but it feels seems so long ago, eh? It's like they're getting the band back together, so, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was so good. That's my sporting moment. Yeah. yeah yours, Anto- Ricardo? Antonio Brown in there too, wasn't he? He was yeah, a big he was, part of that yeah. story, although yeah, he's in trouble now, but uh, that's a, <laughs> Antonio Brown is always in he? trouble. When isn't he? <laughs> I know. I know. I mean, could you believe what he got, what he got done for? You know, the whole, uh, he was basically getting, um, you know how you used to, you see in all the movies and stuff, they get fake IDs so they could go drinking in the, in the you know, US <laughs> college movies. Well, he got a fake vaccine passport ID. Oh, so he didn't have to get great. vaccinated and then he could just, yeah, <laughs> and then got busted. <laughs> he got busted, yeah. as you would, being Antonio Brown. Yeah, and then he got sacked. Oh, I didn't. I didn't actually know that. Yeah, Ricardo? yeah, he got sacked oh, as well, so yeah, it didn't out. go well. I will answer your question a little bit later on. Uh, but right now, here's Karen with news for Kubota. Together, we are shaping and building New Zealand. This Saturday, Sunday. It's SENZ Breakfast, your breakfast uh, for summer. Well, Baz and Izzy away. It's Ricardo Ball, Mitch McLennigan with you. 27 away from 8. And time for our Choices Flooring Poll. And we've been thinking about this. Uh, given that we've had Lisa Carrington and Sophie Pascoe be made dames uh, this morning, uh, who would be next in line for being made a dame or being knighted? Um, and we've got a list here for you. So this is going to be our Choices Flooring Poll. You can vote on it by going to Baz and Izzy's breakfast uh, Twitter account. Um, so here's your options. Ross Taylor, services to cricket. Daniel Carter, services to the Chemist Warehouse and rugby. Uh, Ken, Ken Smith, uh, services to motorsport. I mean, that guy is 80 and still racing and running a motorsport team, and he has pulled everybody up. Anybody that's anybody in the New Zealand motorsport scene has had something to do with Kenny Smith. Uh, so him. And Lydia Ko as well. Uh, I mean... Did such great things at an early age, went through a lot of adversity. You know, I think a lot of people thought her career was done and she would just disappear into the sunset, but she's come back uh, like a true champion and uh, is continuing to uh, once again to challenge for titles. So those are your four. Who do you think? Uh, you can uh, you can go to the uh, Twitter page for Baz and Izzy for breakfast and uh, have a look. The poll will be there, the Choices Flooring poll. You can vote on that. Uh, if you're looking for the Twitter account, it is at SENZ Breakfast is the uh, is the account name for on on Twitter? Uh, I've given you those four names, Mitch. Uh, who are you? Who are you ticking? Who's who's getting your tick? Uh, look, I, I'd like to see Lydia Ko. Yeah, um, I think what she's done for women's golf, um, golf in general, um, the excitement it's built in New Zealand um, is purely being based around her and her performances. Um, both men and women enjoy following her, uh, what she's been through, um, and just the fact that she's one of the nicest people. I've ever listened to talk, um, and from what people say as well, people who are closer, the amount of time she puts into people around the sport, um, and when she's back in New Zealand, um, second to none. Yeah, yeah, no, it's a, it's a fair shout. It's a fair shout. I mean, I think maybe it's a bit early for, for, for DC and Ross, maybe, but I, I think Ken Smith at 80, everything he's achieved in motorsport and the fact that he's been a big part of that scene, and I mean, 
I can't remember exact stories, but I know that you know Scott Dixon. He, he, you know, he's been involved with Scott when he was karting. He's been involved with basically anybody and everybody you can think of in New Zealand motorsports. And he's raced against guys like Denny Holm and all those greats. And he's and he's still there doing it and running motorsport teams and and just helping young drivers. Well, that's that's what it's about, isn't it? Contribution to the sport and helping people up without being asked, basically. And yeah, he's he's definitely fits all those criteria. So I mean, that'd be really that'd be outstanding after all he's done for motorsport. Yeah, so there you go. That is our Choices Flooring Poll. Jump on Twitter, have your say. Of course, we uh, do have our Kennard's High phone line as well, 0800 150 811, if you want to have a chat. Or you can text us on double eight double three as well. Uh, this is... Mitch and Ricardo on your SENZ Summer Breakfast, thanks to Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. Baz and Izzy are off to the races. Thanks to Waikato Stud, your source for a racehorse. It's 19 away from 8 here on SENZ, your summer breakfast. Ricardo Ball and Mitch McClanagan with you. And uh, joining us out of uh, the Hawks Bay is trainer John Barry. G'day, mate. How you doing? Yeah, good morning, boys. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Not too bad. A, a big day for you, of course, uh, in your own backyard. Uh, I, I understand the weather's looking uh, pretty good. Should, should be a nice firm one. Yeah, it's dawned a beautiful day. It's come up at dead five. I think it'll improve during the day to a dead four. Um, should just be a carpet, actually, boys. So no no excuses uh, as far as the track's concerned. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> Outstanding. Love it. I uh, love the intensity. It's good. Uh, love the fizz as well. Sounds like it's going to be a great day for you as well. Uh, you've got uh, Wicked Maiden. I'm definitely going to jump on that in the first. Uh, you've got a few chances today. Uh, what do you fancy the most? Yeah, probably uh, Blissful Bell in the last is is uh, my best of the day. She's obviously drawn well. She's raced against top company the last couple, sort of by design. Um, but yeah, back to a maiden race, home track, and hopefully she's uh, she does what I think she can do. Uh, how uh, how good is it for you being a local trainer, having having this in your own backyard? I mean, I know you've got what six runners today. Is it uh, make life a little easier uh, being able to race in your own backyard than maybe you know having to having to traipse around the country? Yeah, definitely. Look, I think the travel, especially any northern horses coming down, they've got to come up over those Taupo hills. It's just tough. It's tough on the horses. Not saying they can't win, obviously, but yeah, on our home track, you know, we race 12, 13 times here a year, um, and certainly obviously have the spring carnival, so it is is an advantage, I, I, I believe, I feel, so um, but yeah, we've you know we've got a nice team in today. They're all what I, you know a lot of these horses have run and, and won on Saturdays, which is which is crucial. And, and let's face it, at the minute I'm in a bit of a form slump. I can't train a pig to be dirty, to be honest. But uh, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully we break out of that in style today. Yeah, well, hopefully, mate. Hopefully. I mean, yeah, I, I did notice that you managed to get Lisa Allpress on every one of your rides, bar one. Uh, I mean, how good has it been able to work with one jockey and kind of just being on, being, I guess, get everybody being on the same page? Yeah, traditionally it's always quite tough. This used to be on New Year's Day and, and three meetings. It was always tough to get good jocks. We sort of moved early. Um, she's got a, you know, she's ridden well on Blissful Bell, and that's a horse I think going places is going to end up some good races this season. And being a filly and being on lightweight, you need a good lightweight jockey. So hopefully she impresses her again today. But a couple others there, like Ask Pa, she won on this time last year um, and stuff. So yeah, I think she's looking forward to getting on most of these today. What what makes Lisa so good at what she does? Uh, I think she's tough. 
she's just tough mentally, you know, and physically. She's obviously good. The horses run for her, but uh, and she's experienced, you know. She she knows she can read a race. She can judge the pace. So I think all of that, but definitely her mental toughness. And the one horse that she's not riding is Kurabella Miss. You got uh, Taiki Yanagita on there. What can you tell us about Taiki as a as a jockey? He's another one. Geez, he's in real good form. You know, it was just the other day he won a couple up at Tarapa on a big Saturday. Um, he's a boy going places. He's under the tutelage of Lance O'Sullivan, so mm. not much better than him uh, as a former jockey. But he's, you know, this, he was uh, pretty gutted last start on the saucy. He felt he should have won, but uh, he just got a wide draw, a bit of bad luck, came late. So he's pretty keen to, to stick with this mare. So that's why he's on here. Well, John, um, I'm, I'm going to back you in today. I'm, I'm going to uh, group a couple of them together. I'm going to go Blissful Bell, Ask Pa, and uh, Carabella Miss. Uh, Miss, so uh, you're going to help me uh, have a really good New Year's tonight. And, and I see you're not, <laughs> I see you're not making the trip up to Ellerslie. Um, so I'm, I'm picking you, sending it, regardless of the results today. Yeah, that's right, mate. No, no, no. We'll have a whatever winners of brawl. We'll have a drink tonight and get rid of this uh, 2021. And hope uh, we, keep, you know, we leave it on a winning note in the last with Blissful Bell and and uh, you know attack the new year with a bit of vigour. What's been? Uh, what's been? I know, you know, just what you said there about you know nobody's going to be uh, that more ha- more than happy to see twenty twenty one go. You know, it's like uh, don't let the door hit you on the way out twenty twenty one. But um, in terms of the year, what's been the highlight for you as, as a trainer? What's been your highlight this year? Probably getting Corsair Mav um, uh, back to a to a Cox Plate. Um, he obviously won the two group ones here. Well, it was nice, but you know we we went close with Jimmy a few years ago, and having another one in it just uh, it lets you know that you you know yes no he didn't win it, but he ran a good seventh close up against the best weight for age horses in Australasia. So. It lets you know your judgment, your systems, your staff are doing a good job, and and your you know facilities work. So that's probably been the highlight, mate. Um, you know, back there taking on the Aussies, it's the the best of the best. So they compete and, and perform admirably is is probably the highlight. And is uh, Smitty giving you a call, or you bumped into him lately? I had a little taste of Smitty the other uh, other day on Boxing Day, actually, when a certain <laughs> horse uh, who will remain nameless won up uh, that his son's got a share in one up at Ellerslie. So uh, no, he's in he's in great form. He's always uh, you know he knows his sport and knows his racing, and we always have a good laugh there at the local at Turks. Yeah, you love the love the old Turks. That gets a few shout outs. I do you know? Uh, I don't know if you can confirm nor deny that every time uh, Smithy shouts out Turks, he gets another pint added to his uh, added to his <laughs> you know <laughs> add to his tab. There is that, is that how that works? To, to be fair, he probably just gets one for being a good customer. To be honest, <laughs> I don't think he needs to shout out. Pure volume speaks volume. He's still on that. <laughs> he's still on that back leaner right by the pokies. Yeah, yeah, that's the one, mate. Just beside his gloves, uh, you know. As I said to him the other day, I said, "Geez, those gloves are in great nick. It doesn't look like you took too many catches with that." Might have put a few down. Oh, viewed, and he shut your ta- shut his tab off for you after that. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd say so. Yeah. Oh, good stuff, uh, John. All right. Well, listen, mate. Good luck today. Uh, go well. Yes, uh, as I said, six runners, mate, and they all look a good chance. So, uh, oh, fingers crossed, you can you can pop some uh, pop some bubbles tonight and celebrate. Uh, you know, the end of twenty twenty one with uh, with some good results for yourself. 
Thanks, mate. Yeah, no, look, they, they all look great each way bets. You know, they're all very well. You know, normally you're worried about one or one, something's got a niggle. But no, all of those six today are very, very well. And, and if our luck changes and we're having a good day, then we could have a great day. Yeah, mate. Well, that's exactly it. I, I don't think there's any doubt that you can get a pig dirty, mate. <laughs> Let's see how we go. Cheers, Ricardo. Cheers, Cheers. much. Uh, Cheers. Thanks very much, uh, John ba- uh, John Barry there with us, uh, talking uh, his uh, runners that he's got uh, coming out of Hastings today. Waikato start home a champion size, including Savabeel and Ocean Park. Yeah, I did. I did say it. It was it was fate, Mitch. When I looked at race one, of and John Barry's runner there, Wicket Maiden. I was like, it's calling to you. Surely, it's calling to you. Yeah, she's in, mate. She's Four fifty in. and a dollar fifty. Uh, she's the shoe in, hundred yeah. percent. Um, and and if she's not, she's going to get every cricketer in the country back in her anyway. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, aren't we all just hoping for a better year next year? So indeed. Uh, yeah. So yeah. like, what's well, say four fifty and a dollar fifty? Although Kez is looking at me from next door because they have a rule on Baz and Izzy for breakfast is uh, you back the nose, not the tail. So you you don't go for the place. You never play uh, speed. You're always just backing for the win. We're just easing easing my way into it. Yeah. Yeah. We just we get there slowly. And if John Barry says they're all good, good each way chances, I think I'm going to take his advice over Izzy's. Yeah, <laughs> that's probably that. That is probably the 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 the, uh, the safest bet yet is taking John Barry's advice over Izzy when it comes to horses. So this is the uh, SENZ Summer Breakfast. Mitch McLennigan, Ricardo Ball, with you through till ten o'clock here on SENZ. This is SENZ Breakfast with Mitch McClinic and Ricardo Ball at your uh, summer breakfast here on SENZ. And you know, it's interesting that the difference, Mitch, that uh, producer makes in terms of the music you get. We started the week, I thought, really well. And last two days, it sounds like the stuff in all my daughter's movies. You know, she's nine. It's, it's all You're the songs. You're not about this. No, no. This New Year's song, mate. It's New Year's, mate. Come, Come on, pop it up. It's going to be a good night, mate. It's, it's like, it's the, you know what this is? What? This is just a glorified nursery rhyme. There's no depth to this. This is. Oh, yeah, but this. Come on, mate. Everyone's everyone's checked out. It's 2021. We've checked out. We haven't out. checked out, Mitch, because we're nah, on. No, but we just want to enjoy today. <laughs> yeah. We're going to enjoy tonight. Uh-huh. Just bring the fizz levels up. Okay. Come with me, Ricardo. Yes. Yeah. No. Not feeling it, mate. Not feeling it, I've got to say. But, uh, <laughs> but that's all right. That's all right, mate. Um, now. Uh, coming up, uh, we are going to be talking uh, to Laura McGoldrick about uh, Ross Taylor in the next hour. And, uh, you know, can you get people's take on Ross Taylor as well? Where does he sit for you in the pantheon of New Zealand greats of cricket? Uh, he's certainly got to be up there. The amount of runs he's scored, the longevity of his career. So, I mean, we've got that Kubota, uh, sorry, the Kennards Hire phone line, 0800 150811, or you can get us on the text machine as well, double eight double three. Where does Ross sit for you in terms of, all-time great New Zealand cricketers. Where, where, where is he on that list? I mean, are we all agreed that Paddles is, is at the top and everybody else is kind of compared to that? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, that's been the benchmark for years. Um, I think you, it's going to get to the point where you can't compare errors soon mm. um, because the uncovered pitches, um, the skill of the batsmen, particularly for bowlers, the skill of the bowlers, the other bowlers as well that our batsmen are having to face. Um, so it's going to get to the point where you can't compare. But I think at the minute, yeah, he's definitely still there, paddles, absolutely. Um, almost everyone in New Zealand cricket's always looked up to him. Um, but Ross would be a very, very close second, uh, probably alongside someone like Vittori. Um, yeah. in my opinion. You think Ross has gone past, say, Martin Crowe, Glenn Turner? Oh, I, look, I don't think Ross would would want me to be putting him ahead of uh, Martin Crowe. Particularly Martin, yeah. yeah. So he's probably coming in a good second second equal with those guys. Yeah. Um, but I think Ross is as well. He's going to have so much more to give to the game. Um, he's that kind of bloke. Um, and I think his stature in the game is only going to improve. Um, over time, just as a general bloke. Yeah, yeah, it's an interesting one. I mean, it's, it's a debate that could go on because, of course, you know, there are there, there have been some great cricketers that have come out of New Zealand. Mm. Um, and, you know, you talk about guys, particularly when we weren't particularly competitive as a team, but we had some good individuals. Yep. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, as well, um, I guess that's the hardest part. I think the positive thing for, for Ross is that he's been part of a winning team now. Yeah. Um, and a lot of it's the, getting to this crescendo. Uh, crescend, the crescendo. Crescendo. Thanks, yeah. Ricardo. Hey, that's, right, that's, go, what I'm here for. that's what you're here for. <laughs> yeah, I've got this massive tongue in my mouth, bro. It just gets in the way sometimes. Um, <laughs> getting to that pinnacle uh, event and that win, um, that World Test Championship, a lot of that's on the back of Ross and Kane. Obviously, Bolton Southie, yeah. four key players got us to that point, and it's been a build-up over a long period of time. And that's that's longevity uh, to do that and build a team around those guys. I think that ma- that's what makes them great. It feels like we've been tracking the same in the same direction for a while because we saw, I think, the under Stephen Fleming's, Fleming's captaincy, we started to see a bit more of an aggressive take on how to play the game. And then, obviously, that was carried on by Daniel Vittori and then carried on by by Ross and Baz and, and now Kane as well. It's, but it, you can... You can see that trajectory, the, the the way that it's gone. Yeah, it's gone up and then it's kind of flatlined a little bit and then gone back up again. And I think Kane's kind of measured that out a touch more. Um, yeah, we know Flem's take on that. He thinks New Zealand at one point shouldn't have even been playing test cricket and just focus, focusing on white ball cricket. So <laughs> it was always going to be an aggressive style under Stephen Fleming. Yeah, indeed. All right, this is SENZ, your summer breakfast. Mitch McClendigan, Ricardo Ball with you. Uh, remember that you can get us on that Ken Tire phone line anytime you like, 0800 150 811 or 8833. Your thoughts, where does Ross Taylor sit in the pantheon of all-time New Zealand great cricketers? Uh, we'll get more of those on in the next little while. Meantime, here's Karen with news for Kubota. Together, we are shaping and building New Zealand. This is SENZ. It is your summer breakfast. Mitch McLennigan and Ricardo Ball with you. Good morning, Aotearoa. If you're just up, you're embracing the day, the last day of 2021. Coming up this hour, 
we have uh, Laura McGoldrick not too far away to talk about Ross Taylor and his career and where it sits uh, in New Zealand cricket history. Uh, we're also going to talk uh, fishing with Bruce Duncan. It's time to get out on the water, get amongst, as we heard in the news there with Karen. A uh, chance for to catch uh, some more tropical species with the warmer waters as well. So we'll get Bruce's take on that. After 9 o'clock, Ollie Sale from the Wellington Phoenix joins us. We're also going to talk to Matt Fisher as well from ND and we'll go through some of our highlights of uh, 2021 and I think uh, we might even have the old Friday tipple might be a best of uh, 2021 and uh, thanks to the crew at Parrot Dog for coming on board and supplying a tipple for New Year's Day for the Friday tipple as well we might have to crack one of those a little bit later on that'll be good It'd be really good. Uh, getting, getting a thirst on already, Mitch. How about, how about you? What are your, what are your plans for, for, for New Year's Eve? I know you've got a young'un. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, we're going to uh, round to my wife's um, sister's sister's place. Um, they've got a bunch of kids, so that's exactly what I'm looking forward to. Yeah. Um, yeah, really, really looking forward to it. <laughs> <laughs> a bunch of kids. Well, see, it goes two ways, because if you've got a bunch of kids, they keep themselves occupied. And oh, so no, you can, no, not these kids. Not these kids? No, no, no. they need you. They need the constant oh, attention. They right. need you out there playing with them and yeah, yeah jumping on the trampoline. I want to show me everything. So yeah, yeah. It's great. Uncle it's Mitch, perfect. Uncle Mitch. Yeah, and, and I've still got a bone to pick that, uh, you know, uh, naps on Christmas Day are not a thing in their family. So I what? still haven't got over that. Yeah, so. okay. Yeah, I, <laughs> I didn't so much have a, a nap on Christmas Day as a meat coma. <laughs> I just just couldn't move um, after a combination of turkey, ham, ribs, uh, devil, these devil sausages. Uh, no, not devil sausages. What do you call them? Pig in a blanket. Yeah. But the sausages that the, the bacon was wrapped around, mm. full of blue cheese. Need well. on meat. Oh man, it was so it. good, so yeah. good. Anyway, uh, Laura McGoldrick's probably sitting on the other end of the phone. Now, I thought this was a sports show. What are these guys on about? Sounds like a, it sounds like the cooking channel. Uh, Laura McGoldrick, uh, good morning to you. Thank you for coming on uh, SENZ Breakfast. What a wild ride it's been. I've only been here for a couple of minutes. Uh, <laughs> you, you know, I'm a little bit bonkers, uh, Laura. <laughs> Yeah, and I appreciate and respect that about you, Mitch. You always have. Um, but I'll tell you what, both doing it wrong. Um, you need, it's all about the pants you wear on Christmas Day. You've got to have ones that have the right amount of give. So anyone who's been pregnant, and I don't imagine you do have, you want to get hold of some maternity pants because they move. Uh, given how much meat you eat, they move with you. Right. So, um, That's a great tip. For yeah. next Christmas. Get yourselves ready. Yeah, I've here. never been pregnant. I've, I've been accused of looking like I might be, <laughs> uh, but never been pregnant personally. Uh, it's time for our McCafe McCatch-Up now with Laura McGoldrick. Of course, Laura, we got, we got you on because your longtime friend, uh, Ross Taylor, yesterday uh, made a big announcement that he's saying goodbye to playing for the Black Caps at the end of the summer series for, for the Black Caps. Did the timing of it come as a surprise to you? Um, look, yes and no. Um, um, after 17 years, he he wanted to go out on his terms, and his terms felt like it was right right now. Mm. So you have to respect the man's decision. As a cricket fan and as, ma- as his mate, I guess I never thought this day would come, and I hoped it would because I love to watch him play cricket. But, um, you know, he's given a lot to this game, and he's given it, like I say, over 17 years. He's the longest standing, you know, servant of the domestic game currently as we know it. Um, but the thing that sometimes we forget as sports fans is that it's not just an investment from him, it's not just his time, it's time away from his family, his growing family, he's got three beautiful children and, and a gorgeous wife who he hasn't seen a whole hell of a lot of, um, you know, his, his mum and dad, there's just time that people don't necessarily appreciate that you spend away from your family and you miss things, you know, you miss birthdays, you miss 
parties, you miss weddings, you miss celebrations. So it's probably time for him to spend some time with his family before he enters this next chapter of his life um, and, you know, have the opportunity to sit back and, and reflect, um, but also enjoy the things that we perhaps sometimes take for granted, which is just waking up every day in your own bed. Yeah, true, Laura, 100%. Um, look, I, I'd love to know a little bit more of your take. You know, we see Ross Taylor, the cricketer. Um, I just love you being very close to the family for a long time. Um, can you just talk to talk to our listeners about Ross Taylor, the man? Ross Taylor I met when he was 17, 18 years old. Um, my mother and uh, my mother is a player agent and has worked with Ross since about he was that age. Um, and so I just, he was always very polite from the very beginning. I'll never forget that. Um, we're a very close, tight-knit family. So when you work with, with mum, you know, we sort of we sort of come as, <laughs> as parcel, unfortunately, for some. Um, and so we've been very lucky that um, I really do feel like I've literally grown up with Ross. Um, that you talk about iconic duos in sport. A lot of people won't realise that my mum and Ross, I believe, are really one of them. I'm, I'm totally biased one of my best mates and my mum um, who's very good at her job and they have had such a special relationship and such a, a great working relationship for as long as they have um, so um, with that comes that we get to, to, to be around it and be a part of it and I think the thing with Ross is, is he has the most infectious laugh of anyone I know he gets a bit high pitched and it's the funniest thing you've ever heard so no matter the joke if Ross laughs you'll keep laughing um, he's a real he's a real Learner, he's really keen to learn. So, like wine, for example, Mitchie, I know you'll know this. Once he decided he liked wine and he thought it was interesting, well, the next thing you know, he's a complete connoisseur. And you know, we've got books and we're all trying wine. And well, that was a great ride for me. I was just happy to be drinking it. But um, <laughs> you know, Ross is a—he's a great student. He's a great. I've loved watching him become a dad. That's been a great privilege as a mate to watch him do that. Um, he's a fantastic partner. He's a lot of fun. He's a great friend to me. Um, he's always there when I need. Um, and he loves cricket. He and Gup, um, obviously my husband, uh, are cricket nuffies. And Mitchell, about on par with you, I reckon. So they know numbers and they know things. And they've got great cricket brains. And Ross has got a brilliant cricket brain. And I love to hear one of the things that has been most exciting in my relationship with Ross is over the, um, over the last few years, um, especially actually just recently with the World T20, I've got to interview Ross about the game that's been played around us, so the World Cup, for example, in Dubai, and just picking his brain about the game and what he thinks and hearing his commentary where he thinks you know players should be feeling. As a cricket fan, I really love and appreciate that. And I think sometimes we, again, take for granted how much the players are out there actually thinking about the game. They don't just go out and try and hit the ball with a stick. It's a little bit more complicated than that, which I, I really love to hear more about. And I think the thing about Ross is he is the kindest man you've ever met. Mm. And he does things that people don't realise behind the scenes. So he helps out different communities. You know, he's a very proud someone boy, so he helps out, um, you know, people that you just wouldn't even realise. And he's always giving, always giving gear, always, you know, whatever he can do to help. Um, he is a great he's a great human being and you know a, a lot of cricket, cricket fans people will be mourning the fact that he's finishing playing cricket but um, I'm excited to see what he does next yeah I, I agree with you I think we're losing one of the great blokes uh, from New Zealand cricket in terms of that um, he, I know he did a lot of work with PNG as well um, to help yep. those those uh, Budding uh, cricketing communities. I guess you've been there commentating or presenting, um, or as a fan at most of Ross's uh, big, big milestones. Is there any performance that really just stands out to you, Laura? It's funny. I was thinking about that before. Um, 
And I, I have to say there's one that I, I will always stick out for me. He was relatively new to the test setup. It was in 2008. It was the England tour. And Ross came into bat just after Daniel Flynn had his two front teeth knocked out by Jimmy Anderson. And um, he walked out to bat at um, Old Trafford in Manchester and he scored 100. And it was one of the best hundreds I've ever seen. He was so fluid. He was so brilliant. I loved that. His his runs that he scored down in Dunedin um, to, to get us to equal the current one-day series against England um, was one of the big standouts for me when he played on half a league. One of his calves would blow in one hamstring and gone. He was missing a foot. Like, he was all over the show. But he played brilliant cricket, and it was really entertaining um, to watch. I just loved it. I think the thing that I'll miss most um, in terms of what you see on the field is that, that confidence that you get as Sam when Ross walks out to the crease. I, I think of the 2019 Cricket World Cup, a lot of people you know, talk about Kane's back, back performance, and then Kane did have a brilliant World Cup, but so Roscoe, he got us out of strife on multiple occasions, he and Kane together um, in the middle overs there, and um, I think those are the big ones for me, the 2019 World Cup, that test, oh, and obviously it's 290 in Australia, um, oh look, probably all of them, I'm a bit of a, <laughs> a, a fangirl for Ross, actually I was going to bring up, I was going to bring up Sri Lanka as well, look, I think, I think that Ross is just, yeah, I'll miss, I'll miss, his, I'll miss knowing. It's okay because Ross Taylor's walking to the crease now. <laughs> we'll be okay. We'll be okay, uh, Laura. Obviously, you've been tight with Ross for a long time, as you said. Since you know you were both around seventeen, um, I, I saw this. Ross a lot older than me, actually. Oh. I was very young. He were was you seventeen? I was like a baby. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. No, yeah. No, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not going to argue with you. Um, now, did Joseph Romanos tweeted yesterday about saluting to Ross Taylor, and one of the things he said in there was that he showed huge character in recovering from the shafting he got from New Zealand cricket midway through his career. I mean, what happened to him when he lost his captaincy would have been very, very tough personally, uh, how he dealt with that uh, from a confidence point of view and how he overcame that in terms of trusting, I guess, New Zealand cricket and that, and that, that set-up. Uh, you were obviously close to him. I mean, how, how tough was that for him and how tough was it for you to watch him go through that? Well, it was, so, it was, it was I can't really describe how tough it was. It was horrible because you could understand why he was feeling the way he was feeling and the way it was playing out in front of everyone. And I guess it's kind of, you know, Ross is a beautifully proud man and to have that happen to him in such a public way, and that's very hard for, you know, anyone to deal with. And I think Ross did a really good job and the best job he could uh, at the time. And I don't, I honestly don't know how we got to it. Um, I think, again, his relationship with my mum, um, they worked really hard, um, him and his wife, have obviously got a great, um, you know, they're a great team behind the team. So I, I, I don't, I still don't really know because, you know, he, like I say, he's a beautifully proud man and that would have been just massive. I, I don't know how he cope with it, but as a mate, it was really hard to watch. It was really hard to watch because I know how much that captaincy meant to him and how much he loved the role. Um, but, you know, he the way he came back, he fought back and played great cricket and won games for the team. I mean, that just says everything you need to know about the man. Was there ever a point in time, do you think, around there that he might have given away playing for New Zealand then? Would you? I, to be honest, yes, I would have. I, I mean, I, yeah. I had this conversation a few times with people and said I would be very much like, you know, um, all right, well, sod you. You can't have me anymore. I'll just go and play IPL, CPL. I'll go and play some county cricket. I'll, I'll just continue to play play my game there and, and, and do that, and you can do without my, my skills because, I mean, at the time, he was the best batsman we had. 
Yeah, and I think what just you know at the risk of repeating myself, if you if you look at the situation, you look at that, and you think of all the options that you have, and after that's happened, he could have done that. But that's how much playing cricket for New Zealand means to him. Mm. He was always going to find a way to get back and play cricket and 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 play really good cricket. Um, and I think that's a combination of different things, different things he did to work through it um, with different people. Um, and um, yeah, the the way he went about it is hugely admirable. Hugely admirable. So you'll be looking forward to uh, a couple of Christmases at, at the Taylor's house, um, although Guff's going to be a little bit sad uh, going away on tour without Roscoe from now on. I think he's going to be gutted. The, the, they, um, you know, a lot of people have talked over the years about Roscoe and KFC. They've neglected Roscoe and Nando's. And Roscoe <laughs> and Guff so and are, uh, are quite a are quite a thing. They have quite the relationship. So I know Guppy's really... Gut him. I think he's grateful that he'll at least have the one day is to, to play some cricket with her before it does come to an end. Um, and yeah, I, I, I just can't quite imagine a Black Cats lineup without Ross Taylor in it. It, it's, um, it doesn't really seem, doesn't seem quite right. Sad. It's, so <laughs> it's actually really sad, isn't it? Um, it's, it uh, it's hard it to put really into words. Is. Um, just not not just for just for um, ourselves knowing him, um, but for I think all New Zealand cricket fans. I, I know you'd second that, Ricardo. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, and that leads me into something else, Laura, that we were talking about before. And I know you're going to have to you have to take the uh, the, the Ross Taylor fan club uh, commemorative sunglasses off when I ask you this question, um, and 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 be and be Laura McGoldrick, the broadcaster. But where does Ross mm. sit in the pantheon of New Zealand cricketers? Where does he sit in the the all time greats for you? I, I, I really, if you look at his numbers, and they are some outrageous, outrageous numbers. The man is right up there, and I think it, it must be hard. Well, we're lucky as cricket fans because at the same time as Ross Taylor, we have Kane Williamson. So you often sort of band, you know, you go between the two names. But if you if you look at uh, the numbers of Rosses, he is without a doubt <laughs> right up there because I mean the man is well, he's a freak. But um, what do you think, Mitchell? Do you think that he is um, he will go down because of not just the way he played the game, but what he did behind the scenes? Or do you think that he will? Um, yeah, where do you think he sits? Yeah, we were talking about that before. Um, I think most New Zealand cricket fans will put Richard Hadley at the top, uh, Martin Crow around that second position. Then I think I think Ross wouldn't want to. Barring all these records, so he's gone well past, you know, most runs of New Zealanders over all formats, 18,074 runs, most ODI hundreds, 21, most runs NZ ODIs. Like, his numbers are far beyond uh, the likes of Martin Crowe, but I don't think Roscoe, uh, with the respect he had for Martin Crowe, would ever want to be uh, put past him. Um, I would have put him equal with Martin Crowe, in my personal opinion, um, and at that second slot, maybe with Dan Vittori in and around that spot as well. This him and uh, him and Martin Crow talked a lot about um, records and how they're meant to be broken and 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 I know Ross has spoken in the media about how Hogan wanted him to you know beat his records and stuff. Um, so I, I think he'd love to hear that you think he sits uh, alongside Hogan on the list there. But I mean, I, I, I you talk, you, you band around some of those numbers. I mean, the fact that he's played over a hundred matches, he's the only player to do it in all three formats. It's, it's quite outrageous, and he's only thirty-seven. I mean, it sounds old in sporting terms, but it's mm. actually not. And that is a lot of cricket. That is four hundred and forty-four, forty-five appearances for New Zealand. That is no mean feat, man. 
I don't know how I don't know how you boys do it. I get no. tired. <laughs> and at the end of this tour as well, after those two Bangladesh tests, um, uh, hopefully he gets through them all healthy. Um, he'll be equal top most tests for New Zealand with Vittori on 112. That's, That's unreal. That's break? unreal. Uh, Off you go, Laura. Sorry. Oh, no, no, you go. I was just going to say, oh, what does that work out to? 112 times five. How many days uh, in the whites is that? That's that's quite a few. That's 560 days. It's a year and a half. Oh, poor wife. <laughs> <laughs> she, she might, Victoria might be counting it in dollar terms, oh, well, uh, the old match fee. <laughs> I often hear this, Laura. I don't know. You, you, maybe you can, you, can, you can give us some insight here. But, you know, there is that, oh, he's away again, he's away again, he's away again. And then when he's home for about two weeks, he's like, oh, is he still here? Yeah. <laughs> And you always come back with a handbag yeah. to soften that as well, eh, Laura? That's exactly right, Mitchell. A handbag or a nice pair of shoes. But um, I tell you what, no, it is funny because Guppy just did a 14-week stint. And it was sort of my first big, big stint with two kids. And he came home. And, you know, towards the last couple of days, I was, I was really, really for him to come home. And I sort of offered to go into quarantine for him. I said, I tell you what, you come, I'll go into the hotel for the 10 days. That'd be great. Um, and then he came home. And after about two weeks, he's like, look, seriously, it doesn't go there. It does, that is not where that goes. Okay? This is my house now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you do. It, take, it takes time. And you put in your kids. Um, you know, I remember when he had, um, you know, when Roscoe had, had McKenzie. He left when she was a couple of days old um, to go away on tour. And it's just its so much for the, the partner to sort of cope with and comprehend that you're doing this on your own. But it's because your partner's chasing their dreams and representing the country, which is awesome. It's um, its quite a wild ride. So um, hats go off to Victoria, his wife, because she's done an incredible job. Yeah, you... uh, An incredible job of holding down the fort. You call it OCD. I call it put it back where it belongs. Um, I, I think mm-hmm. I think that's where you're coming from, Laura, and I, I fully understand that. I fully understand and appreciate that. Hey, listen, thank you very much for coming on and talking about your good friend, Ross. Uh, it's been great to get some insight from someone that knows them both within the game and, and, and from out and for so long as well. really appreciate uh, your time, mate. And keep up the good work, too, that you do uh, on Sky presenting the cricket. Uh, looking forward to a, a, another good summer. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your time, and thanks for letting me talk about old Roscoe. Yeah, hey, anytime. Anytime you like, Laura. You know where we are. Yes, <laughs> Thank you, Laura McGoldrick there, talking about Ross Taylor, who's, uh, yeah, I had no idea that she'd known him as long as she had. Like 17, um, when he signed with her mum as, as his agent. That's, that's crazy. It's a long, long time. Yeah, a long time. And that's that's when I was going through trying to find people to, to come on and talk about Ross. Mm. Um, you know, you could easily go to a past player, someone who's played with him, but you wouldn't know, know him um, as well as Laura does. Um, you don't know the ups and downs he's gone through as well as Laura does. Uh, you know, it's just a, the right person to, to be able to talk about Ross. Um, the only other person you'd have any kind of consideration towards thinking about would maybe be Ian Smith. Yeah, yeah. Um, Smithy was is yeah. pretty tight with Ross, isn't yeah. he? Yeah, so, you know, those two um, top of mind, and we thought we'd just let Smithy enjoy his holiday. But Laura, um, you know, it's such a great girl, um, such a great family that they've got, and um, I know this will be very upsetting for her as well. Yeah, indeed. Uh, this is the SNZ Summer Breakfast. Mitch McLennigan, Ricardo Ball in for Baz and Izzy. Thanks for the Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. SENZ, this is a Breakfast with Mitch McLean. Ricardo Ball, it is uh, 28 past 8. And Mitch, uh, the new, other news, we were just talking about Ross retiring, uh, but out of the, a bolt from the blue, Quinton de Kock retiring from international cricket for South Africa, or from test cricket at least. Uh, mate, that actually caught me by surprise. My hands were up. I was in <laughs> shock. He's seen the reaction. I, I just can't believe it. Yeah. 
Uh, he's 29, mate. He's got so much cricket. I guess I guess you have to start reading between the lines. Uh, we spoke about it during the break of, of after all the stuff after the after the World Cup. Yeah. Um, you know, and and the issues with the board over there and sounds maybe, like there's a disconnect with yeah, South African disconnect cricket. with South African cricket and and his mates are retiring now as well. Yeah. Some of his mates, so you know, maybe he's just like, well, want to be away and and he loves his fishing and hunting. Yeah. Um, as well, so maybe with the baby on board, he he wants to free up a little bit more time at home recreationally because uh, you know you're away a long time if you're playing all three formats for your country. Yeah, exactly. So he's a cool time on his test career, not on anything else yet, but. Uh, I mean, given what we saw over in at the T20 World Cup, I wouldn't be surprised if that's not too far away. Yeah, unless things change, I guess maybe maybe that's the ultimatum. Yeah, like, oh, I'm not. I'm I'm happy enough to to. He's one of their best test players, you yeah. know. Uh, has been for a long time, um, and maybe that's the ultimatum. Like get your, get your stuff in order, uh, otherwise, you know, I won't be here the next T20 World Cup, which is in Australia, which they do have a decent chance uh, of competing for that title. They had a good run this year. Um, just fell short, um, just on run rate. Um, so, you know, they they'll be eyeing that as their pinnacle event. They'll be looking at it for sure. Hey, uh, still to come on the show, we are going to be talking fishing uh, not too far away. Uh, but right now, here is Karen with the news for Kubota. Together, we are shaping and building New Zealand. This is SENZ, your summer breakfast with Mitch McLennigan, Ricardo Ball. And uh, the Choices Flooring Poll uh, update for you. We will have an update for you in another hour's time. Uh, still time for you to get on there and have your say. Who is going to be the next New Zealander off the back of Lisa Carrington and Sophie Pascoe being made dames to either be knighted or made a dame? Uh, that's what we asked you. Is it going to be Ross Taylor? Is it going to be Daniel Carter? Is it going to be Kenny Smith? Or will it be Lydia Co? Head to the Baz and Izzy uh, breakfast show account on Twitter and uh, vote in our Choices Flooring poll. In an hour's time, we will give you the uh, the, the answer to that one. And, uh, you know, in the meantime, we've got some fishing uh, chat coming up with Bruce Duncan. Uh, they call him... Um, the Well, he's... When it comes to... What he doesn't know about fishing in the Hodaki Golf... It isn't worth knowing. Uh, but it's interesting, you know, what uh, Karen said in the news, um, that warmer waters, more tropical fish, or potentially different, more trop- tropical type fish, uh, just some different catches, potentially. We can ask Bruce about that. But I also want to ask, I don't know if you, did you see the, the news about a week ago, them saying that there's more... Uh, far more great white sightings between sort of Fakatane and the Coromandel um, and we always know they're there but you just don't see them as often so if we're seeing more of them does that mean there's more there or are they just more visible? 
Yeah, I, I don't know. If it, it comes down to um, yeah, more, uh, more of their food coming in a little bit more or the fact that we've all been locked down yeah, and not as many <laughs> boats out there taking their food, so they're able to come a little bit closer and they're not scared off by the engine noises of, of the boats. So yeah. It could be something to do with it. Yeah, it could be. But, but he'll know the answers, won't he? He will. Bruce Duncan, what he doesn't know is not worth knowing about fishing. He's up next here on SENZ. This is the Summer Breakfast. Ricardo Ball, Mitch McLennigan with you at 20 to 9 on your New Year's Eve. And joining us uh, to talk uh, fishing, a man who, uh, what he doesn't know about putting a bait on a hook isn't worth knowing, Bruce Duncan. G'day, mate. How you doing? Oh, sorry. It's Ke- sorry, Kieran's uh, still getting uh, fishing tips from him, so he's not there. Uh, let me know when Kieran's got his... It, it was good practice, right? It was. It was good practice. Strong. Yeah, was strong. He's there. He, uh, <laughs> Bruce is uh, somewhere around only Tangy on a, on a charter, I, I believe. Uh, how you doing, Bruce? Oh, we're doing well. No, not on a charter. We're just simply just enjoying life. And uh, weather's getting a, a bit grumpy, and I'm getting a bit grumpy with the weather, and probably half of New Zealand is at the same time, mate. Yeah, well, we we did hear in the news today that because there's um, uh, the uh, whatever the weather pattern at the moment, I always get them all mixed up. But we got warmer weather down here, might see us getting uh, a, f- a few different bites, a few different catches, something a bit more tropical. Uh, are you seeing any of that? Yeah, interesting thing. I had a, a call from a mate of mine who had done a lot of game fishing in the past with, and uh, he had uh, up the back of the boat in Admin Bay on the outside of Motu Tapu, mahi mahi. Couple of mahi mahi. Now, no way. I can never in my life ever recall mahi mahi being basically inside the poor nights. So there you go. You know, you just never know. Sell stories. You don't keep your eyes out, and you'll you'll never know what's going on. But yeah, definitely this um, warmer weather uh, and warmer sea temperatures. A lot earlier, sailfish being caught up. Oh, not sailfish. Sorry, um, shortbill, steerfish, and all that coming in earlier up the top. So who knows? So have you uh, caught anything exotic yourself so far this summer? Um, I caught one magnificent hangover, I must admit. I tagged and released, you'd be pleased to know. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, no, I mean, the fishing has been hard. But in simply saying that, the weather is pretty extreme out here. So you are very limited as to where you can go safely. And, uh, you know, we're working the wind and the tide in the same direction and being on the outside of only tangy. What happens with the wind is it, it takes the form of the land and it screams down the place and all over the place. So trying to keep you in touch with your bait is very, very difficult. But, yeah, we've nailed some nice fish. I let, I've got a policy on this boat that um, any fish that's been damaged, you know, has got a cranky eye or half a fin or whatever, he goes back, and we struggled a bit yesterday. They've got a good feed. A nice, big, nice trevally, though. That was Shashimi last night. And this nicest snapper of the day had a big bung eye, so I see a later fellow have another go. You know? Yeah, why is, that, why is that a policy on your boat? That seems interesting. Well, it's just one of those things. I, I, I figure that if he's if he survived from having a damaged eye, obviously, as a young fish or hmm. whatever, and it's healed over... And he's one eyed, he deserves another go. It's not like, you know, you desperately need fish. It's a bit like me, you know. Tag and release me, let me go. <laughs> Tag and release me indeed. Hey, um, Bruce, tied into that, what we were talking about, about the warmer warmer weather, warmer water and things, there was that, that report that came out last week, I can't remember who put it out there, but saying sort of from about Fakatane up towards sort of Waihee, Coromandel, uh, a lot more great white sightings than normal. Now, we know that they're always there, but the fact we're seeing more of them, does, what, what does that mean for you? 
it's it's a hard one. My first comment on that would be, if you take the population from 20 years ago to what it is now, you've got four times the amount of eyes looking in the water, be it fishermen or people on beaches and, and aware of it. So they've always been there. I mean, we had some bronzies up giving the snapper a bit of a hard time uh, day before yesterday and, and only tangy. And the bronzies out of the barrier are just absolutely prolific. Literally, you've just got to be careful. Mm. But you've also got to remember they're not man-eaters. You know, they'll mm. bite you because you look like food. And they, It's like us picking up an apple and trying it and spit it out. The collateral damage is pretty pretty ugly. But we've only got one man, man-eater in New Zealand. That's a tiger shark. And generally, I've only seen them well out by the barrier when we've been boardwalk fishing, you know. So are there any more? I don't know. Uh, why would they would be there? It's got to be for food. They're there for food. So, um, you know, is that saying that there's more food in that area there? No. Um, Speak- it's just one of those things, you know. Speaking of uh, food, uh, what's the flavour of the of the summer so far for the snapper? Uh, it's, um, well, again, it's been fresh bait. Once the fish have done their spawning thing, and, and all the snapper that we're getting now have completely spawned, they're empty of it. And then they sort of, they get a bit sort of lazy over that Christmas period. And then they'll go on the bite because over the, the rest of the summer, what they have to do is to regain their body fat and condition to prepare themselves for winter. Because in winter, we're completely different. You know, we're eating inside, we're eating stews and roasts and all that sort of thing. Whereas in summer, we're barbecuing. The same thing with the snapper when they go out into the deeper water, uh, or even the ones that are fat and lazy like me that can't be bothered going too far and staying around the local rocks and the reefs, you know, their diet is completely different because their body fat is built up and they just snack on what they want and when they feel like it, you know. So, um, yeah, at the moment, uh, fresh bait. I'm finding, dragging the bait get around, getting some fresh bait. They get hit and they stay together pretty well because a lot of the fish are just mouthing baits at the moment as they would be on the crabs and bits and pieces that they're feeding on at the present. What's your uh, go-to fresh bait? Are you catch a and throw that out or your yellowtail or is there something out there that me as a novice fisherman needs to know? Well, the ideal bait is um, snapper and kingfish candy and that's piper. If you can get piper, brilliant. That's your best bait you'll ever get. Your jack max, your um, you know, baby cowboys and the likes of that, well, again, six and a half a dozen of another. It's the way you present them. Uh, you know, you, one of the best lessons I taught a mate back in the days, I think I caught my limited fish, I think it was about 80 fish back in those days, and he and his mate had not caught one, and we're all using fresh piper. And they were getting grumpy, because I was rubbing in a bit, I must have been. Mm. And I said, do you want to catch fish? And they said, right, wind up. And they brought these uh, baits up, and the way they'd rigged them, they were bent. So there's no quadriplegic pilchards or anything swimming around the ocean. So I straightened up their baits, put them out. They'd both got hit, and at that point I was pulling the anchor up. So straightening up the baits, that, oh, I need to know this. Look, because cause my, my my sister's uh, partner uh, has just got a, a nice boat, and he's struggling at the minute. So talk about straightening up the baits, because I, I need to give all these tips so we can start catching some fish. Well, you know, if, if a bait is straight especially if there's any current, it will lay in the current and, and act like a wounded fish. Whereas if it's bent, it rolls around and it's just not natural. Mm. And you'll find that the, the smaller fish will come in and rip the guts out of it and the likes of that, but they tend not to, to be taken by the bigger fish. They, they're not dumb, but 
present it in a nice straight way with the hooks well exposed. See, a lot of people hide their hooks thinking, oh, you know, that snapper won't see that. But, you know, when they strike the fish, do a few winds and the fish falls off, well, it was only sitting in his mouth and it'll slide straight out. They don't see hooks, so with that barb well exposed, when you strike, you're driving that hook straight into the jaw of the fish. Well, that's, uh, that's definitely what I've been doing wrong. Yeah, I've been fishing for three years on the same boat and hardly catching anything. It's me thinking I'm going to be smart and hide the hook so they don't see it. No. <laughs> no, well, you see, you think of they smash up mussels and kinners and all that sort of thing, so, and they're, they're, they're a scavenger and they'll, they'll have a go at it, and they, they don't see that hook. But, you know, using the right size hook. Now, we never use anything under a 7 bar O or mm. an 8. And that way, the hook barb is well exposed from the bait. And our, our hook-up rate is, you know, is 9 out of 10, you know. It's, it, it just makes a huge difference. And also, the big factor is that when you get that fish on board, A, you can grab the top of the hook. It's strong enough and big enough for you to hold it so that when you want to remove it and, say, release a fish, you can twist it out with minimum damage. Um, and that's just the way it is. You know, you don't want to damage anything that you're going to put back. Yeah, it all, it all makes so much sense when Bruce says it, eh, Mitch? It's like, and the stuff that you think, how did I not think about that? Well, it's not rocket science. You guys can use your computers and all that sort of thing. You know, I've gone through the university of, of life, you know, getting two diplomas, one of delinquency and one of the responsibility, and that's just because I've spent my life on the water doing these things. Well, Bruce, and, uh, it's nice to pass that knowledge on, you know. Well, that's, that's I'm going to ask you another thing. I'm just taking over the Ricardo show here. Uh, <laughs> uh, Bronzy got my uh, got my jigging rod uh, last year. Uh, snapped it in half. Yeah, good for me. Um, is is anything on the market at the minute? What should I be looking for? What? So, what are you targeting first of all? Kingies. I want. Targeting? I want to catch some kingies, mate. Please. <laughs> you want to catch a king? Yeah. Well, the first thing you've got to address is why did the rod snap? You know, if if the drag system was set up on your reel properly, that would have allowed the line to go. It probably it wasn't. can get smashed. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. so the drag was too tight. But even so, what it means is actually caring for your rod. You know, you get them shoved in the back of the car up in the boat there and they get knocked. And especially anything with graphite and some of this new composite stuff, if, if they get whacked, you strike back and you hit the rocket launcher, for example. After a while, that dings the uh, glass and that puts a weak spot in it, you know? Yeah, I, had, gotcha. I had a rod snap on me, and uh, it was like a bloody rifle shot going off. So I would go in and, uh, you know, you look at the size of the boat you're running and, you know, what fits you and feels comfortable with you. And, and you know, you know, you can't buy cheap. Do it once, do it properly. I mean, I've got some gear here on this boat that's over 30 years old, still functioning perfectly well. But it was quality gear, you know. Have a look at your pen stuff. That I rate that pen, mm. your Shimano, all those top brands. They're good because they have to be good, you know. Mm. But again, they'll do a cheaper end, middle end, and the top end, and you look at it as an investment. Beautiful. I like the way you talk. Yeah, so, yeah they call him Captain Swish. They call, should call him Captain Common Sense. Uh, Bruce, um, mate, uh, what, what's your plans my, my for New Year's Eve? I not agree with that. <laughs> I don't think any of my wives would agree with that. I'll, I'll, do, I'll do your PR for you, mate. Um, well, what's your plan for New Year's Eve? Well, we're just looking at now, and we've got some friends um, on our other boat, maybe I'll just them, so we'll go and now a few snacks for lunch, and I've got a big roast lamb, I've just prepped 
for uh, putting on the barbecue tonight. Might even have a couple of wee chats with my friend Captain Morgan as well as the other guests. Oh, and, uh, slide into the new year as usual. Sound asleep by 10 o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> hey, good stuff, Bruce. Thanks for coming on, mate. Have a great New Year, sir. I really appreciate your time. Anytime. Go, go well. Be safe out there. It is windy, guys. So even if you want to go for a fishing desk, but go off a beach that's really shallow, straight line out there, you'll learn. Take the kids and teach them how to fish. Catch some bait fish, and, and you'll do well. It's what the life's all about. Indeed it is. Indeed it is. Uh, Captain Swish there, uh, Bruce Duncan with us. His book, uh, Hauraki Golf Fishing Hotspots, is available now, mate. You should get that for your brother-in-law because it's got all the GPS coordinates and everything in it as well. So just teaches you where to go and, 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 and where to be uh, to do that. He's he's a man in the know. I might actually catch some fish this year. You I never reckon. know. Yeah. You never know. Matt never Dobson, know. if you're listening, uh, we're out, son. <laughs> we're out. We're out indeed. It's seven away from nine here on SENZ Brecky. At Chemist Warehouse this Christmas, find David off hot water at 110 mil for just $34.99. Baz and Izzy, we might be at the beach, but the show goes on. It's the summer breakfast on SENZ. It's three past nine on the summer breakfast. Uh, Ricardo Paul, Mitch McLennigan in with you till 10 o'clock today. Coming up this hour... We're going to be talking to Tim Southey, Black Cap, as well, uh, before 9.30. After 9.30, we're going to be talking to Matt Fisher from Northern Districts, young fast bowler coming through the ranks. Right now, though, we're going to talk football with Ollie Sale, the keeper for the Wellington Phoenix men's team, uh, based over in Sydney, of course, this season. Uh, Ollie, uh, good morning, mate. Uh, happy New Year's, and uh, how's that hip, fl- hip flexor doing? Morning, lads. Uh, yeah, hips going well, thanks, mate. Um, still pretty early doors, so um, progress is a little bit slow, but um, we've got it moving, and uh, yeah, things are on track. Uh, what's the timeline you're looking at, Ollie? I, I know it's um, not a great time for you, obviously, with the Phoenix, but leading into uh, the all-white stuff uh, coming up in January. Uh, how, how are you looking for, for being placed for that? Yeah, I think I think um, back into January is the aim, so that'll be, that'll be like uh, all things go really well. Um, if the body body pulls off some miracles, then we'll be in the January hopefully. Um, if not, maybe early February. So um, I think pushing for the March March window with the whites is is a big focus for me as well. And obviously, I'm back into the season with with the next hopefully push for playoff football. So yeah, it's the timeline we're looking at the moment. Oh, that'll be good. Uh, targeting that March window. Uh, you haven't convinced the uh, Phoenix uh, management to employ your mum. Um, she's pretty handy with those long needles. Uh, she could be uh, great in that physio team. She'll get you on the park uh, about half the time, I reckon, Ollie. Yeah, exactly. She's on speed dial at the moment. That's, uh, um, yeah, she's definitely she's definitely a good good tool to have in the, in the arsenal, so making the most of her. But now the medical team here is really good too, so... Um, really well looked after. Yeah, mate. How how have you been uh, coping? I mean, this is the the first major injury that I can remember that you you've had in your career. So, how have you been coping with it, mate? And, and especially given that you're away from home. Yeah, look, it was obviously frustrating one. Just the timing was, um, you know, uh, a run of poor results, I guess. And I was I was hoping to put in a couple of big performances and maybe shift the momentum for us. And, your white stuff coming up in January would have been really nice to be be involved with those boys and, and get a, get amongst there. But um, it's part of sport, isn't it? And like you said, it is kind of like my first first uh, injury setback that I've had so far. But 
just one of those things you've got to get on with and just deal with. Um, so, yeah, really, really frustrating. And like you said, we're, we're away from home as well, which kind of adds to it, I guess, which at this time of year, it's a little bit difficult, especially for the, the younger fellas that we've got on the team. Um, but, um, look, it's, yeah, I, I'm still positive and I know I'll come back stronger. So um, I'm, I'm looking forward to playing some footy. Jeez, hopefully Ollie. at the back end of January. Only the way you said positive there, mate. You've been in Aussie a little bit too long. You guys must be first <laughs> up to come back to Wellington. <laughs> yeah, I've had that a bit on the Christmas calls. I've been given a better stick, actually, to be honest. So I think that's sticking now. It's been, been a few years. Yeah, you, you touched on um, this being a hard time for some of the younger players being away. Uh, it's made even harder by the COVID cases that you guys have had within the camp. How's that all travelling? Yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a crazy time in New South Wales at the moment. COVID seems to be kicking off again. But, um, yeah, we've got a couple of positive cases. So uh, a couple of players and one of the medical staff have tested positive. Um, so it's nothing nothing much changes, really, to be honest. It's, there's, there's protocols and all that set in place by the league um, that make things pretty smooth. So the boys are still flying out to Adelaide this afternoon. Um, for the game tomorrow night, and um, it would be business as usual, really. Um, will obviously be two players light, but other than that, um, everything still goes. It just just means training and <laughs> it's a bit of a logistical nightmare with separations and stuff like that. But look, yeah, still part of it now. It's just part of being a modern athlete, I guess, in these times. Well, obviously, with your injury, it means Alex Paulson's kind of been thrown in uh, the deep end, mate. Still only nineteen. Looks a looks a pretty handy keeper. I thought he he looked good when he came on as your uh, uh, replacement when you got injured. Um, how much have you been working with him uh, to try and get his head right, or have you just left that up to Gothy? Yeah, no, that's I guess um, something that was probably a bit new for me as well this year, being being a senior player and and and. Um, having that vice-captaincy role, I've, I've made sure that every morning I've kind of got my rehab done out of the way early doors so I can spend some time with the, the young goalkeepers and, and Goffey on the pitch and just be there and just, just be a voice and, and just chuck my two cents in where, where, when necessary. And he's looking really sharp, mate. Um, he's got so many great attributes. Um, he's very quick. And um, I think he'll do really well. Um, honestly, I think... If he gets tested tomorrow night, I think I think you know we'll, we'll see the unraveling of you know a future all-white goalkeeper and all those sorts of things because he's really sharp, mate. So I'm looking forward to seeing how he goes. Nice, oh, that's big props from you, Ollie. Um, also, but it's not always easy to to give someone big ups uh, who you're competing with. <laughs> um, but who else has impressed you this season, mate? Uh, you guys got off to a great start and then just turned away a little bit. But who's who's really stood up this year after the off season? Um, for me, I think Tim Payne in the centre of defence has been a rock. You know, he's um, like you said, we've, we've struggled a little bit, and and especially defensively. But I still think you know a lot of the time you can't can't fault Payne's performances. Um, he's, he's really impressed me as always. And also, I think um, Bally's work ethic um, in the ten role and up top um, is fantastic. You know, the, the amount of running that he that's for us and the amount of ground he covers for us and the, and the quality he offers in, in important moments is fantastic. And then obviously we've got Gary Hooper back, uh, Gary Hooper back as well. Um, so um, hopefully he's back amongst the goals. Um, he was, he had a fantastic start this season and, and just brings that touch of class that we need up top to, to put the ball in the back of the net. And I'm looking forward to seeing him 
continue scoring. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I'm, Hoops has obviously been away, and that's kind of disrupted things for you guys a bit. Uh, is he is he back on deck yet? Yeah, so he's he's uh, he's back with the group, and um, he's back in training with the boys. So um, that'll be really, it's really good to have him him back around the fellas. You know, he's a, he's a calming presence as well as as well as that touch of quality that he brings. So he's he's back with the group, and yeah, hopefully we'll yeah, continue to continue to score for it. Yeah, well, that's. I mean, th- that really feels like this season has been the thing that's missing. Uh, defensively, it's it's been pretty solid. Uh, midfield's done its job for the most part, I think. But it's uh, you know, and Phoenix has been creating a lot of chances and maybe leaving too many out there. Yeah, look, obviously we, we we've lost a lot of goals in in Toma and and Oli mm. in the club at the end of last season, so it was always going to be difficult to replace. But I don't think. Um, we lack the quality to score goals. I think there's plenty of quality in the end of the pitch. It just hasn't quite clicked for us, and um, we haven't really played our best footy just as of yet. So I think we'll be there. Who knows? Someone could be on the end of the four-five-nil something, hopefully. Fingers crossed, <laughs> mate. Fingers crossed. That's what we want to hear. Hey, uh, Gail Sandoval. Um, looks like he could be an exciting prospect coming in out of the uh, uh, Liga MX, the top league in Mexico. Uh, he's 26. He's played a lot of footy at a very, very good level. Uh, when do you expect to to see him sort of uh, making an impression in the in the top side? Yeah, he's very sharp, mate. Just from the, the little bits and pieces that I've seen at training. Um, He's quite fella, um, keeps himself a little bit. He's a bit of a character as well, though. When you get him, when you get him uh, on his own, and, and yeah, his confidence gets up a little bit with his English and stuff like that. But no, he's um, he's going to be a really sharp player for us, and we you can expect to see him as soon as the window opens. So I think what that fourteenth uh, of January, something like that. So he'll be fit to go by then. You know, he would have got the, the meters in his legs with the. The strength and conditioning team, lucky him. But um, yeah, he'll be good to go uh, as soon as that window opens. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's interesting. I mean, how do you think it's going to um, alter the balance? Because Rennie Pisco- Piscopo often plays sort of that left side, but Sandoval is a left sided player generally. So you're uh, obviously going to balance the threat a bit more, I guess. Yeah, I think it'll probably take a lot of a lot of the pressure as well off Reno as well, uh, give him a little bit more freedom. To, to do what he does best and, and take players on and, and cause carnage. So, um, yeah, I, I'm really looking forward to seeing those two um, combine and and work together. So, um, and probably, probably, hopefully, I think the plan is to provide a little bit more service for Hoops, Hoops and whoever else joins them up top, probably Bawley. So, um, that, that, that it comes across to me as quite a, a threatening front four, so I'm really looking forward to seeing it. Yeah, and I, I mean, I know that uh, it's been, you know, a difficult season and, and probably things in terms of attracting new players are even more difficult uh, g- given the club doesn't have, you know, sort of the, the gates for the home games to, to bank on and, and, and chuck in the coffers. But are you expecting uh, any new faces uh, in January uh, alongside Gail? Uh, yeah, look, you're right. It is difficult time for the club, but I'm, I'm really not sure, mate, honestly. Um, there's... Obviously, obviously the results continue the way they have been going. Then possibly there'd be, the club would be looking to bring some people in. But um, I'd, I'm confident that we have the quality within the group to get the job done. Um, I think we showed the first few weeks with a couple of good performances and good results that um, we should be right there amongst it. We just kind of slipped off a little bit. So um, I'm not sure what the club's 
uh, plans are in that regard. I know, obviously, we all know Gayon is here now, but uh, in terms of further recruitment, I'm not too sure, mate. Yeah, all right, good stuff, Ollie. Well, look, mate, really appreciate you coming on. Uh, I know it's been been tough for you, so best of luck with recouping from the injury. Have a great New Year's Eve. Uh, what, what, what's the team got planned? Uh, well, they'll be away in Adelaide playing um, tomorrow night, and then uh, hopefully maybe a couple of quiet ones in the hotel Yeah, just, after a good result. Just, um, just stay away from the golf carts, mate. Yeah, exactly right, mate. Especially in New South Wales. They've got my number. <laughs> exactly. Good stuff, Ollie. Go well, bro. And uh, enjoy your New Year's Eve and uh, best luck getting back from that injury. Thanks very much, lads. Cheers for having me. Yeah, anytime, mate. Anytime. Ollie Sale, the Wellington Phoenix, number one, uh, at 14 past nine here on SENZ. Your summer breakfast with Ricardo Ball and Mitch McLennigan. And uh, yeah, Mitch, you obviously know Ollie pretty well. Uh, yeah, well, Pip's been my um, – so I had hip surgery. Yeah. Um, and then uh, coming back from hip surgery, I, nothing had changed. Hadn't got any better. Um, and then I got recommended to go to his mum as a physio. Stuck a few needles and my hip pain went away. So I had three hip surgeries without probably needing hip surgery. <laughs> <laughs> so she's been my uh, personal physio um, since way back, since early 20s. So, Sweet. yeah, good – almost 15 years now. Yeah, nice. Yeah. So needling or acupuncture? Dry needling, dry needling, um, full physio treatment, um, just nose, nose of stuff, always great for a second opinion as well. Um, she'll steer you in the right direction and she'll tell you if your physio is uh, terrible as well. <laughs> so that's always, that's always good. It's <laughs> handy. It's handy. I like yeah. that. Uh, still to come this hour, we're going to catch up with Matt Fisher from ND and, of course, uh, Tom, Tim Southey as well. Well, from the Black Caps. That's six more. That's beautifully timed. He absolutely pummeled that. Baz and Izzy are talking cricket, thanks to Razine, New Zealand's most trusted paint brand for the past 10 years. This is your SENZ Summer Breakfast. Mitch McLennigan, Ricardo Ball in for Baz and Izzy. It is 9.21 and joining us now from the Black Caps is Tim Southey. And Tim, I understand, mate, uh, that you're getting the beach bod ready because you're about to make the move from the Waikato to Mount Maunganui. Have you, have you, have you, has the moving truck packed up and gone yet, mate? Do you got the uh, the guns out? Uh, no, I don't know about that. Um uh, more of a dad bod than a, than a beach bod. Um, yeah, it's not, it's not a bad, not a bad part of the world to be for the for the next few while. Mate, very nice, very nice. And I, I suppose uh, having the Bay Oval as a as a test venue as as well means you can go home at night. Yeah, no, we've, we've had a place here for for a long time, um, but it's a section. So no, we're yeah, we're we're in we're in the Waikato at the moment, and um, yeah, it's not bad to to come over the hill and. And have two uh, two great um, international venues within a, an hour and a bit of each other. It's absolutely cracking, Tim. Your form of late's been absolutely outstanding, mate. Uh, you know your your T Twenty campaign was uh, at the World Cup was uh, second to none. Um, how how are you feeling with the Red Bull in hand? Yeah, I was had a little bit of a well, we had a, a, a big sort of appetite of white ball cricket um, throughout the year, and then two tests in India, and now two tests here. So um, yeah, it's a a shift back to conditions that we're we're familiar with and that we've done uh, done pretty well in over over a long period of time. So just uh, yeah, just getting back into the swing of things in, in New Zealand conditions is is always nice. But uh, but yeah, it's been been a good year and hopefully it uh, can continue into into the next year. 
You, uh, Ross Taylor's obviously just retired, a huge stat man. Uh, the numbers he's reeled off throughout his career are astounding. And yourself, you're you're in that uh, echelon as well, mate. Uh, you must be uh, eyeing down Daniel Vittori. You're on 322 wickets. He's at 361. Uh, will it be a great day uh, to get past Dan? And is that something, a focus that you have had throughout your career? Um, I wouldn't say focus, but I think if you play for long enough, then you can sort of tick off things. And I think we've seen with with Ross obviously playing for such a long period of time and um, and I guess that's, that's credit to him being able to play anyone that plays at that level for such a long time. They, um, they're obviously a, a quality player and being able to adapt to the different conditions and different formats for him to play all three formats for a long period of time and, and yeah, I guess when you play, play for that long, you, you tick off a few numbers along the way. But um, yeah, Dan's obviously one of our our great uh, test cricketers and it's nice to be yeah within touching distance but there's still a Still plenty of hard work to go to, to get to where he was. Yeah, too right. Um, how are the boys shaping up ahead of uh, tomorrow's Test match? Yeah, there's a lot of excitement around. Um, I think whenever the Test crew gets together, it's uh, it's pretty exciting. And, and, um, and yeah, no place better to be than, than the Mount. It's been um, blue skies and, and warm weather, and guys are enjoying a bit of beach. But, um, but yeah, can can switch our focus to, to cricket tomorrow. But, uh, yeah, there's a bit of a buzz around the camp, as you can expect at this time of year. Yeah, too right. Um, who's doing the capping tonight? That's always a special occasion for you boys. Something that you really look forward to. Yeah, it is. It's uh, yeah, it's been a tradition for a long time, and get a guest sort of speaker in to come and present the caps. But uh, we're not sure who it is till they till they turn up. So um, that'll be a be a nice surprise later on in the day. Oh, that's beautiful. And we've got uh, we've got Matt Fisher on next, and I know he's out. He's out of Northern Districts. Uh, he's a fine young fast bowler. Have you had much to do with him? Um, you know, it looks like pretty good stocks from what we can see. Yeah, I think he's been blessed with uh, with a number of um, number of fast bowlers uh, over the years, and um, and he's he's uh, he's shown a lot of a lot of promise. He's been in the setup for for a few years now. He's had a number of injury sort of setbacks, so it's good to see him see him charging in and um, and and bowling, bowling quick. So um, had a little bit to do with him with the odd trainings and, and sort of last year been involved in the in the pre-season camps. So, um, yeah, he's definitely one to watch for the future um, if, he can, if he can continue to, to develop his game and, and obviously bowling at raw pace is, as you know, a, um, a special, special art in itself. Tim, it seems like at the moment our fast bowling stocks in this country are, are ridiculous. I mean, you know, you look at the uh, at, at the team that you're in, and you know, and Bolte and, and Kyle Jamison, yourself, uh, you got Lockie Ferguson knocking on the door, you got Neil Wagner there as well, but then, you know, you still got guys like Adam Milne and, and Matt Henry around as well, and then these young fellas that are coming through, there's uh, there's more than a few of them. Uh, what do you what do you give uh, what do you put that down to? Why have we got so many good quicks at the moment? Yeah, I don't know. I think for such a small uh, player pool um, in New Zealand, obviously our numbers aren't huge compared to to elsewhere around the world. But to have that that depth and that quality around um, those guys you named, and there's the likes of Doug Bracewell and other guys um, that have played international cricket in the last few years as well. So it's yeah, it's, it's healthy competition. Um, I guess our services encourage sort of guys to to want to bowl bowl pace, um, and we're just sort of, I guess seeing the rewards of um, guys coming through and, and being able to perform at domestic levels and I think that we're seeing now guys our domestic um, our domestic game improving and, and we're seeing guys make that transition from domestic cricket to international cricket and, and performing at their next level which is, is all you can ask. Yeah, Dougie's been outstanding actually this year. So it's great to see him back after the string of injuries that he's had. Um, look, I guess we've got to touch on the Bangladesh. Uh, you know, Who are the main threats for you guys as bowlers and, and who are the batters looking out for? 
Um, yeah, there's a few guys. Um, I'm listening there. A few of the senior guys who have toured here a number of times before. You, Tammy McFarles and Mama Dollars. Um, so there's a few new faces that we haven't seen a lot of. But um, but within that, there's a few experienced guys. Your your um, speaker Raheem, um, who's been here a number of times, so he knows the conditions. Um, so yeah, and Mama Huck, the the captain, little left hander, uh, scored scored runs in, in various parts of the world as well. So um, yeah, they've they've been to New Zealand a number of times. So I think they would have learned a lot in their in their times. So they've they've come here and and um, yeah, it's uh, obviously a challenge for them in these conditions. But they've they've had a two day game, had a bit of a hit out, and uh, yeah, looking forward to, to getting into it. Hey Tim, it must be. Uh... I guess a bit of a. I guess you're probably used to it from the outside looking. It must be a bit of a weird one. You've got your test match starting, you know, sort of eleven o'clock, ten thirty, eleven o'clock on New Year's Day. Uh, so, what does New Year's Eve look like for the Black Caps? Um, yeah, no different to, to what New Year's Eve has sort of looked like for the last fifteen years. It's uh, as a cricketer, your, your, your Christmas and your New Year is um, is usually consumed with cricket. So, um, while the rest of the country and the rest of the world sort of enjoy it, uh, we'll. Just treat it as another another night, really, and um, and just uh, prepare ourselves for for tomorrow. Um, it's it's something you become accustomed to, having having done it for, for so many years. It's just uh, just something you you need to adapt to. Yeah, and and, and putting that phone on silent uh, that's the key, isn't it, Tim? <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. And hopefully, you can sit back in in five days' time and, and enjoy a very cold beer and celebrate that way. Um, see you in the new year with hopefully a. A good test win. Oh, mate, if only you were playing the Poms, it could be in three days' time. Yeah. Too soon? Low shot, Ricardo. Too soon. Too soon. All right. Hey, good stuff, Tim. Hey, thanks very much for coming on, mate. I know you're busy. you got training to get to and stuff, uh, so we really appreciate you taking some time out. Go well, and best of luck uh, for the test starting tomorrow morning, eh? Cheers, guys. Cheers. Tim Southey there from the Black Caps. Uh, Razine Colour Shops, your paint stain colour and decorating experts. And, yeah, I mean, the prepping, obviously, for, for Bangladesh. Is this, does it feel like the start of the summer for these boys? Uh... Yeah, I mean, it's I been it's so all long, just you know, rolling, the, rolling. I actually think it just feels like it's all rolled into one. I know most of them got home and had a bit more of a break, which which they definitely needed. Um, so uh, you know, it could be a little bit rusty out of the gates. Um, you know, but the home conditions. I mean, our bowling quartet um, are exceptional in our conditions. Um, our batters, you got Roscoe, who wants to make a point in these last two tests. Uh, you know, so uh, looks like a good side. There's going to be a couple of guys like wanting to cement their spots as well. Um, going into next season uh, or the next test series so uh, look it's an exciting series to look forward to you reckon uh, Dev Conway's going to get named in the 11 yeah I'd say so yeah. uh, if he took the part uh, took the park the other day yeah. uh, he's straight in he didn't have to prove anything yeah yeah sweet I'll just have to bolster those door frames with some padding <laughs> <laughs> over uh, in the dressing rooms. Well, it's funny enough, in South Africa, they actually had a boxing bag uh, in one of the changing rooms oh, really? on my first tour, which was interesting. I thought, yeah, they must have had a few angry men in that, in that <laughs> tour party. Go hit that. <laughs> not our furniture. Not, not our, our furniture. Yeah, Don't break your back. Get exactly. the gloves on. Totally, totally. Uh, this is SENZ, your summer breakfast with Mitch McClendigan and Ricardo Ball. Uh, still to come, Matt Fisher from ND, a fantastic young fast bowler that we talked about uh, there with uh, Tim. Southie, but right now it's time for Karen and News with Kubota. Together we are shaping and building New Zealand.
This is SENZ, your summer breakfast. Mitch McLean again, Ricardo Paul with you and another Disney tune uh, to bring in the new year. Uh, Steve Smith stuck between... I, I would imagine he, he'd he just be able to get the old sandpaper out and make the, you know, sand that hole big enough to squeeze back through, wouldn't he? Oh, no, no. He, he's got to coordinate the sandpaper. <laughs> just the you know, so he he didn't actually the, have the sandpaper. Be, no, 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 no. You'd have to get to David Warner. <laughs> He's got the sandpaper that the bowlers know nothing uh, about. Oh, mate. No, I was, the only thing I was thinking about how many times he pressed the buttons. Yeah. And he's the little fidgety Steve Smith. He would have been pressing and poking, and he probably lined the M&Ms up on the floor of the elevator before eating them in a certain order. You know that man has like, like 13, 14 pairs of gloves lying out on the boundary. Really? Yeah, lying out on the boundary, all, all numbered, all numbered. It has, needs a certain pair of gloves at a certain time. Really? Bizarre, yeah. Is that a superstition thing, or is that just... Oh, uh, it's got to be, doesn't it? Uh, yeah. It's got to be. It's got to be. Yeah, it's, it's phenomenal. That, yeah. Was, yeah, that was something, actually, I, I, sh- I should have asked you about earlier in the week, but it just uh, just reminded me now, we were talking about it at the time around the sandpaper gate thing, and, of course, the bowlers coming out like Pat Cummins and going that they didn't say and they didn't know. No chance. If somebody is messing no with chance. the ball, that you, you've got no in your hands chance. six times, no a, you know. Oh, oh, look, hey, I guess, oh, you, hey, you've got it. If they come out and say it, you've got to, you've got to take it until it's proven inaccurate, uh, what they say. So I'll give them benefit of the doubt. Pat, Pat's, uh, Pat Cummings got a lot of integrity. Yeah. Um, like a straight up bloke. Um, so, you know, it's, uh, yeah, I, I'd have, I'd, I'd probably believe Pat. But if you've got the pill in your hand, yeah. right, and you've you you know what it was felt like last time you delivered it, and you get it back, you're like, that, is that rope that rough? Uh, no, no. I, I've seen bottle caps, and I, I know I've, I've rubbed a, a, a ball on a on concrete just at training and stuff like that. Yeah. An actual actual fact, it was quite hilarious when they first brought in two white balls um, into the domestic game yeah. um, for fifty over cricket. They didn't have any old balls to swap it because they want to swap, get the green out, and get the reverse swing out of the game. Yeah. So when I was at CD. They, the guy who got the balls and tried, got to prepare them to make them older, yeah. bounced them on the concrete. So all you got was this ball. They came back with these big chunks out of this white ball. So the 35th over, we get through the 35th over, we've got a hard new, newer ball, yeah. a hard newer ball, which hasn't been bashed around the park. And it's reversed straight away. Yeah. So, so to get it reversed out of the game, they'd made a massive, massive blunder. So it was great for me. I, yeah. I loved it. Richard Sherlock at the time, bowling express gas, hooping the ball. Yeah, phenomenal. Funny stuff. Outstanding. Outstanding. Well, no doubt you'll uh, be passing some of those lessons on. And maybe oh, I've Matt... got no idea how to make a ball reverse, Ricardo. Don't you have it's, no idea. There's a big, big wink there, Ricardo. <laughs> no, it's all technique. It's all no, how it's you all, hold your tongue. It's all, all technique. Exactly. <laughs> all technique. That wrist breaking that wrist late. Yeah, that's what it is about. We'll we'll ask Matt Fisher from ND about that (laughs) next. He is uh, coming up. This is Mitch and Ricardo on your SENZ Summer Breakfast. Thanks to the Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. Yeah, this is SENZ, the summer breakfast. It's Mitch McClendigan, Ricardo Ball with you. Of course, uh, talking cricket because we've got so much of it on at the moment. And now uh, one of the performers of the day yesterday, uh, on uh, we saw it on, on Spark Sport, which is, of course, bringing you 64 Super Smash matches live and on demand this summer. Uh, Matt Fisher go real well down at uh, your favourite old uh, ground there, yeah, Cracking Mitch. ground. Cracking uh, ground, Ricardo. Yeah, in, in New Plymouth. Uh, Matt, how do you think the game went, mate? It looked like you're having some fun out there. Yeah, it was good. Obviously, going to the ground, uh, it's pretty small, so we were thinking possibly around the high 100 mark, but um, now it's good to bowl them out for under 150, I think. So 
yeah. Is that day. your first outing at Pookie Park, Matt? Um, no, I played there last year and got tapped a bit, so... So you would have been a bit nervous going. driving up? Yeah, definitely. The first one, I think, let go a full bunger down leg side, so <laughs> obviously the nerves shown, but no, I was good to come back from that. Yeah, what a great comeback it was, mate. Four overs, uh, one for 20, and that one wicket was Dane Cleaver, who's probably in the best form of the whole Super Smash competition. Uh, that was a nice, fast Yorker. Uh, you got to, you got to feel good about knocking his poles over when he's in such good form. Felt pretty good, to be honest. Felt pretty good. Felt pretty good. <laughs> so, I mean, given the uh, mentally, how do you prep yourself, um, Matt? Going to somewhere like the uh, like there where you've had tap before, um, how much of, did you have to change your approach, or was it just your execution? Um, I think just execution. Uh, we've got good heads at mid on, mid off. We had GD and um, Anarag, who were real. Um, good talking to me what balls I wanted to bowl and just having that clarity at the top of my mark and just yeah backing my ability helps a lot where last year I was probably just running in and I don't know just hoping it wasn't going over my head (laughs) (laughs) I mean that's a difficult part for your career isn't it like uh, most people get blooded in four-day cricket they get a lot of overs underneath their belt but you have uh, with a few back injuries in the past you've kind of been blooded into the shorter format Um, the mental side uh, is anyone helping you with kind of um, understanding that um, it's a bit more of an up and down game and to try and stay on that same keel yeah um, Scotty Coogs is real good he's talk to me a lot about that and just uh, I don't know, kind of following your best ball and not worrying about what will happen at the other end and just control what you can control and yeah, that, that's the best that you can do um, Graham Aldridge, our coach is also real good talking to me about that and yeah, just trying to stay as uh, cool and calm as possible so that's been the main thing. I know Hoppy, uh, Gareth Hopkins, brought you into the side and he, I was commentating, uh, was that your first game at uh, at uh, McLean Park? And it's commentating, Hoppy Hoppy'd sent me a message. He, he was like, mate, this guy's good. He's This guy's fast, real fast. So, uh, you know, did you feel like you were ready when Hoppy brought you in or you you feel like you're really starting to mature a little bit into the, to being that uh, dominator, that enforcer that you're turning into now? Um, I, I was a bit raw then. I hadn't played a lot of cricket, but yeah, it was just good to play a game at that level. I'd had a year being contracted and obviously didn't play a single game, I think, because of uh, my back. But yeah, obviously getting that opportunity was real special. At a young age, it just got me, I uh, kind of had a taste of what it was like at that level and how much better you have to be compared to playing club cricket back home. And uh, speaking of Jeet Raval and Anurag Verma, Verma's, uh, Anurag's been outstanding again this year, but I guess a real surprise package, maybe not from your guys' side, is Jeet Raval and, and how well he's taken to the captaincy, not only not only that, but uh, how well he's batting at the top of the order. Yeah, he's had a fantastic start to the season. It's really good to have, I don't know, talking to you, talking to you about bowling plans. He likes to be a bit funky sometimes, which I really like, and he's, yeah, real attacking and just real positive and backs, backs all the bowlers. And I think his bowling changes and everything's just worked well this year and obviously it's helped um, the start of the campaign for us. Uh, Matt, in, in terms of you know growing up as a young fast bowler in New Zealand, who were the guys that you looked to and maybe modelled your action on? Um, oh, probably Tim Southey. I did like him. I kind of bowled a little bit. 
I've changed my action a bit after my back injuries and just tried to get it a little bit more side on. But yeah, it's kind of my dad just kept telling me to bowl fast and just yeah, I'm not sure. God, but that's really, off to, <laughs> really, really good advice. Fast. Really good advice, Matt. No. <laughs> Uh, and you, you guys, where are you guys off to next? Or where are you spending your New Year's? Um, I'm heading to the Mount. We've got about four or six days off, so it's quite nice uh, heading to the beach for a few days. And then we're back down at New Plymouth at Pukekera for a Ford Trophy game. Oh, outstanding stuff. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's not the place you want to go for, uh, for a, a Ford Trophy game. Yes, I've heard. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, Matt, are you, are you got tickets for the first test? Are you going to be on the embankment anywhere? Um, I don't have tickets yet, but I'm planning planning on heading there. Yeah, yeah, mate, it'll be a great way to spend so, uh, New Year's Day. So long as you're not too dusty, eh? Yeah, hopefully not. <laughs> <laughs> Fingers crossed, mate. And uh, I, I know, uh, you know, you've talked about Tim Southey and, 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 you know, sort of, you know, you watched him bowl a lot when you were younger and modelled yourself on that. What about his uh, partner in crime, Trent Bolt? I mean, is he the bloke that you look to when you want to uh, when you want to model your batting game? Oh, definitely. <laughs> he just showed off, off that, um, that last Canterbury game. So just shows the tail enders. When they need a bat, they got to do stuff like that. Uh, how many times yeah. has he replayed those shots in the changing room for the lads? Oh, uh, no, nah, he was pretty calm about it. I thought he would have been a bit more excited. I think I was probably more excited than he was. <laughs> Just being a tail end to do the job. Yeah, and you're batting, Matt. Oh, I haven't seen you bat. You haven't really had too many opportunities, but uh, you're handy with the blade? Uh, I like to think so, but um, working on it. Working on it. I love batting. <laughs> Good. Yeah, love batting. Yeah. This this man, I like this guy. He's, he's got some of the same things I love. Love love to bat, get in the nets as much as you can and try and bowl as quick as you can. That's what it's all about. Yeah. Um, Matt, where, you know, I mean, obviously you're still early in your career, but once you get your bowling established, uh, you know, there's – I always think back to Glenn McGrath, who was a, a frustrated number eight who could never get out of number 11. Uh, I mean, how high up the order would you like to bat once you get your bowling sorted? Um, I've always, uh, Dino's a, our batting coach um, up at ND, and I've always told him number eight. Number eight's got a nice ring to it. <laughs> number eight, number eight. All right, there you go. It's another number eight. I mean, See, Mitch, how high did you bat? Yeah, eight. Yeah, oh, no, bad. no, oh, no, mate, IPL, come on, mate. Yeah. Top four. Top four. Top four. That's that's the goal, eh, Matt? Top four, uh, top four in IPL game? <laughs> yeah. I suppose that's shooting for the stars. But... Why not, got, mate? Yeah. Exactly, mate. <laughs> you, you'll get there, mate. Hey, um, great to talk to you, mate. You, you're having a great season so far. I just love your aggression um, and how well you're going. So, so keep it up, mate. And I wish you guys best uh, for next or the season when it kicks in again next season, next year. Great. Thank you very much. Yeah, go well. Uh, Matt Fisher there with us from uh, the Northern Brave. Uh, Super Smash is back this summer. Catch every ball of every match live on Spark Sport. This is Ricardo Ball and Mitch McLennigan with you. <laughs> Let's just say, I think Steve McIver might might might, have, might be slightly ill. He is on next. I was just, uh, he's, he's not looking well. We'll have to talk to him next to find out what's coming up uh, on his show when he takes over from Mitch and I, and I on your New Year's Eve at 10 o'clock. 